hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 120. I'm your host, Em, and with me is my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. And we have a guest, Dia. Hi. Hey, Dia. I feel like I've been fighting for years to get you on this podcast, and I can't believe it took playing bad games to bring you here, finally. I'm, I'm, I can't decide if I'm pissed or, like, super jazzed that, like, we're talking to talk about absolute shit and not something, like, worthwhile. The the two things that are defining about this podcast are, first of all, we all play the same game, and second of all, that we generally pick things that are good and not, like things that are bad to dunk on them and we have abandoned both these precepts to get you on <laughs> you, you could have picked a good game i would have come for that that's not true it, it was too we hard to think before. of one that was perfect is the thing so it's this... easier to pick something imperfect and just uh, assume with it because uh we're friends and we just carry the day yeah it's a <laughs> yep. little funny also i was genuinely curious i was like is there a hidden gem in this like lot of rpgs no one talks about the answer is clearly no anyway before we get into that <laughs> yeah, for the three people who don't know who you are could you briefly introduce yourself yeah hi i'm dia i write about games sometimes mostly i just tweet like you know shit it like assholes on 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 in games twitter yeah but sometimes they write articles for pace and waypoint you're a photographer that's how i discovered you i was like oh this person knows something about photography that's such a weird like it's so weird when i meet people that are like that um and they're just like no like yeah like find out your photography first i'm just like what who are you but that's yeah. groovy i think i found you through jackson Yes. Well, I found you through Jackson also, but I was like, I yeah. scrolled, I was like, okay, game stuff. Oh, cool. Like, I think you would just, were plugging that poetry anthology, um, and we're doing photographs. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, this all, this all, uh, just together in my intro set. <laughs> I don't remember what, how I met anyone. Everyone of my friends, I just assume I've always known. So I don't remember. I was like, oh, through me? Sure. I guess I believe you about that. I have no idea what happened. I, 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 all of my friends, I just, especially if people I meet on Twitter, and this is like a, powerful meeting story uh i just they just become part of my life and i just assume they've been there forever <laughs> it is weird when people have the grand like twitter meeting story and it's just like it's twitter You're i've just... never remembered how i followed someone it just i just I, I guess i just did i met destiny through twitter uh because a friend was like you like woody allen movies you should follow destiny she <laughs> also likes woody allen movies that's uh, which was true for both of us at the time, and uh, oh a decade later, uh, here we are. Here we are, yep. <laughs> Times have changed. Times have changed. Anyway, uh, video games. Has anyone played anything they'd like to talk about before we get going? No, I've uh, been pretty low on the, on the gaming front, other than this terrible RPG I've been playing. Um, so... Yeah, I had to play... Well, I had to play another bad RPG. Um... Which you can read yes. about on Paste, um, yes. which also is about like the moon and shit. Um, what goes. is the name of that game? I don't actually remember. Astria Ascending. Okay, that's yeah. why you don't remember because it's the most generic name. It's, yeah, I'm gonna it's... be honest. I can't think of a, the last RPG that wasn't like part of a franchise where I remember the name easily. Octopath Traveler, I guess, but only because I hate it. Uh, they all have names like this now. I need Octopath Traveler to be like $5 so that I can just play it and see, because... I was I, like, oh, it's on Game Pass, but that doesn't help you. I like their little shadow box approach, but um, I don't know that it's going to be like worth like 
because they keep sucking selling it for sixty dollars because it's fucking Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's fair. I um, I've been playing Psychonauts too, which I've been enjoying, but I kind of want to wait till I'm finished to talk about it. So that probably next month. Uh, I played Control. Um, to the point where I deleted it yesterday, so I'm done with Woo-hoo! Control. I did not finish Control. How far did um, you get in Control? I got to the part where I was supposed to go finally meet wherever my brother was in the facility, um, which seemed like it was about, like, 60% in looking at a walkthrough. Oh, you hadn't yeah. even got to your brother yet? Oh, damn. No. Yeah, okay. I got to that, and it didn't... It, you think, oh, is this plot going to begin? No, not really. My thing with that is that I thought it was really striking from the yes. from the star outset. Like, I understand, like, I like SCP and I like, like, online horror. So, like, the things it's pulling from, I was already really familiar with. So, a lot of that, I'm like, okay, I, I get it. You're doing this. You're not even, like, doing anything new with it. You're just doing this. But it's fine. I just really liked walking through, like, a like a 1960s FBI office. That's actually the appeal to me. Um, but then they don't do anything with it. No, it's and was, also like I I hated the gameplay. I don't know about you, but like yeah, I was yeah, like, well, why are we doing these big action sequences? I don't want to do this. I, you're not, you haven't made it good. It's not fun to play, even with no. all these fucking powers. I still hate it. Let me just I felt like just make this yeah, a graphic I, adventure. I felt like the the combat was like really like demanding and everyone's really bullet spongy in a way that i didn't appreciate not having a great time with that which tries to funnel you into like the the like, random yeah. mission upgrade tree stuff where they like randomly cycle missions to get good mods for your guns and i was like i don't want to do any of this this is miserable um but then it's mostly like i like walking through the spaces and then you know you go to a space and it's fucked up and then you you, you purify it whatever and you go to another space and it's got a cool color treatment but it's fucked up and you purify it but like it doesn't change the way in which it's weird. It's weird in the exact same way every time. It just ends up feeling like, I'm like, you had one idea. This should have been a five-hour game. It would have been a really incredible five-hour game. Um, and so I turned on, I was playing the, like, uh, d- d- Director's Cut, Deluxe Edition, whatever they call it. Um, so I have the, like, uh, uh, I don't know if this is in that version or if it was rolled in later, the, like, accessibility mods or whatever. So I just basically made myself invincible because I didn't want to do the combat and I made one hit kill the enemies. I was like, I'm just going to go through the game like fast because I, I was like, this combat sucks. I'm tired of dying uh, because I'm not using all my powers properly or taking cover. I hate taking cover in video games. Um, and it didn't help. It's just still boring. It's just not an interesting game to like even walk through in tourist mode. So I was like, I'm not, what am I doing here? Yeah, I, I like, I know Control is um, seen by a lot of people as like Remedy's Return to Form, which I haven't played uh uh, whatever that other one was, Quantum Break. Quantum Break, yes. Um, but I, I think I end, end up liking Alan Wake more when they're both like weirdly, you know, they're both um, what's what's the phrase? Not not great. <laughs> like, my thing, my thing uh, is Alan Wake the video game. I also think is a bad game right. to play that I mostly well, don't like. But American Nightmare I mean. is really cool. <laughs> but that's what I mean. It's like I don't think I I don't think Remedy have changed that much. Like Max Payne Two is incredible, but that's because it is four hours long. Um, yeah. And they can just make, like, they can do the thing they do, which is make levels from the beginning to the end, and then you get your, like, dose of the pastiche they're doing, and then you get out. Uh, both Alan Wake and Control extend that beyond uh, what that can really support. Um, and I think Control especially has, like, a really good hook uh, for the plot, and then it starts doing, like, weird, cool stuff, and then you're waiting for, like, a second idea, and it ne- it never comes. It never comes. Um, the plot just never starts up. Even once you find your brother, you're like, oh, this hasn't really changed. This hasn't, like, opened up the plot yet. It just this is it this is all there is um and i i walked away very disappointed from it uh but you know i enjoyed the first like two hours a a lot when i assumed it was going to keep adding new things and not just be that the whole time you know the thing about the first two hours though is they control the camera a lot more yes that's true 
and it's like it's really funny because like playing the game like once they like really open you up it's just like oh i'm not in kind of like you know funneled into these very you know practically fixed camera you know like shots that you're making me play through and the instant like you've got kind of the free look and you're looking all around it's just like eh, yeah i came in an office building what yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, because that's the thing it has, right? It's like striking angles. So I don't mm-hmm. know why, like, I understand why they made a third-person shooter because that's what Remedy makes and that, like, they are good at it. Uh, even though I don't think it's a great third-person shooter, I do think, like, the act of shooting a gun is fine if hampered by the fact that uh, I have to uh, engage with a really tedious upgrade cycle to make my damage output worth of anything. Uh, but I get why they make that choice, even though I think that, like, for the style they're going with, you're right, like an adventure game with fixed angles, uh, and a game far more about emphasizing, like, the space up, uh, around you would uh, be far more effective. Uh, or just fuck yeah. the upgrade tree, you know? Like, honestly, if we uh, just had, like, three shots, no upgrade tree. Like, you know. Max Payne 2. I mean, I already think Still it has good. too many guns. Like, it had, it has a good pistol, and there's some other guns you can fuck with, but, like, you didn't need it. Five-hour version, you get one gun and some powers. Great game. I need to go back to guns where you just have the gun. You have a pistol, and it's the pistol, and we balanced it. We balanced the pistol to do this. Maybe you have pistol and revolver. That's it. They're very different weapons. But how will they sell you DLC pistols that way? Uh, I don't want to do loot to get plus five anything in my life. I have to say, though, that... Going down this road, playing. I'm not going to play Quantum Break. That seems super boring. But playing otherwise, all the Remedy games, I'm kind of interested to see what that Crossfire X story mode ends up being. Because mm-hmm. that—that's them operating in a, a thing they don't own, uh, in like an engine they didn't make. Uh, like they're doing the story for a already successful shooter, and it's got to be like a military Metal Gear. And so I'm like, I bet they could do something interesting with that. They might not. And I'm not going to like pay like money for it. It's got to be like on Game Pass or some shit. But I'm curious. I assume that will be on Game Pass. That that uh yeah, it seems like was that all the Xbox. I think yeah, it's probably being published by Xbox. So oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, I'm always rooting for them to do something interesting, and they just keep not doing it. So, yeah. I mean, I understand what like Control, you know, puts everything up front, and then it's like, oh, you know, they they only had so much budget, they just do the same thing over and over again. Like making a new thing for a video game to do, uh, as we will find out in the next segment, is hard and costs a lot of money. It's also not very spooky. (laughs) I was no, expecting no, something way spookier. Like the first half hour is all right, um, but then like you, the first time you go to the the, the motel, yes. yeah, you're like, oh, this is gonna be like really, this is like going for something, and like they're gonna be jump scares, and nothing happens. And then you go to the hotel, like every other time, it's just another, it's just another like really easy puzzle, with, like the same mechanic of ringing the bell to open the door. It's like, what are we doing here? The, yeah, see, yeah, I was waiting for it to become Twin Peaks. And, yeah, like I was just like, okay, come on. Like season two, Twin Peaks. Let's just go balls to the wall with that shit. And um, no, after like you know, I watched like the the first little like hand puppet show, and I'm just like, okay, you've got a spooky like Syphil and Ollie, and now I'm in this like weird 1970s roadside motel. Mm. The- yeah, are we gonna go? Are we gonna do it? No. Okay. The spooky, well- the spooky puppet like hand puppet show evokes so strongly like like kind of like internet horror video but doesn't even go for that like really it's not fucked up no. enough it's not a story that like coheres into something interesting in the way those do well it's it's something that like honestly it's like something that like you know a gen x person or a boomer will look at and go like man that's fucked up the internet's fucked up internet's weird man and it's just like what 
what are you, what are you, what's wrong with you guys? This is I remember just, the. F- mm-hmm. This isn't a meme that lasts even a week. Like, come on. Right. I remember the first time I went to the motel bit, which is like, you know, the, the lights go out and then you pull the thing and then you end up, it's like, it's like genuinely, uh, really scary, but yeah. not because it does anything. You just think it will. Like yes. you go to the hotel and you, I'm going in all the rooms and I'm like, something's going to happen. I, like, I'm getting really scared because I don't like scary games. So I'm like, I didn't really sign up for this. What the fuck's going on? And then there's no release. It just, you just leave the fucking motel. <laughs> well, it's because there's nothing, nothing scary. There's, there's, there's no. atmosphere and enemy drops. That's what the game has. <laughs> But they, but like they, they make this whole bespoke area uh, for this really cool moment, and you pull the thing, and you end up there, and then you're just there, and then you just leave. Like the, there's no release for the weird tension. It doesn't really end up meaning anything in the metaphor, other than like it gives a clue to the place that mm-hmm. they went, and you go to that motel like five times. Like you, when that happens, you think, oh, this will happen, and then there'll be something else that's like a really cool world, and then just you know they they just don't do more of that stuff because most of the resources are put towards like making big areas to do repeat combat encounters in. No, and it doesn't yeah. even do that well. And this is this is just how it is, the, like you know, kind of Junji Ito sort of thing. It's just kind of nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I deleted it. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, I feel bad about that one because I paid money for it, but you know, I'm, it, it's better than to not push through. Trying to break myself of being like, I have to finish the games I buy. Ridiculous! I don't have to do anything. I mean, you've um, got the good parts of it, like yeah. Uh, the other game I played this month was uh, Toho Luna Nights, which is a Metroidvania style Toho game, which yeah. is long running series they're mostly shooters right they're like everything now i feel like there's a toho version of like every game at this point but mostly shooters with like a bunch of lore i don't know i'm not a toho person don't ask me i'm sorry um but it is uh like a a more heavily combat focused metroidvania i feel like uh and it adopts a lot of shooter mechanics and like sensibilities and that like you're in this you're in this like you know castlevania castle area there's five bosses in the game and uh, the mechanic mostly is like all of your attacks take MP and to regain health and MP, you have to get close enough to an enemy to get like a gray state where you're like hitboxes overlap. Like not the hip, like the character models, not the hitboxes overlap, like, like in a shooter when you like brush against an enemy and it will give you restoration. So you're always trying to get real close to enemies and then back up and hit them. Um and it's really interesting to see that happen with all the like signifiers of a shooter like then gems come out of the enemies and like swarm around your character and like a little mechanical voice goes graze uh like it's the um what's that um space invaders uh infinity gene kind of voice if you played that which is really cool like modern shooter um and then the boss, like, it's just like, you know, go to the castle, do the stuff. And then the bosses are just real motherfuckers. It's like, this boss has five attacks <laughs> and it's going to cycle in a pattern and you just got to learn it. And that's the thing. Um, and it's fun. I, I had a pretty good time. I ended up like kind of hitting a wall with the fourth boss. And I was like, do I want to finish this? And, you know, come on deadline. I want to get some other stuff done. Psychonops is coming out. And so I was like, nah, but I had a good time. Like, that's one of those where I abandoned, but I feel really good about it. I'm like, that was a really cool game. Uh, it's on Game Pass. It cost yeah. me nothing. <laughs> Toho Luna Nights is really good, and that's why I was so bummed out by Deedlet in Wonder Labyrinth. Um, oh, really? Because that's that not all I thought that was Ladybug. Uh, yeah. So okay, that is like their follow up to Toho Luna Nights, and it's much more of just a like kind of bog standard Metroidvania, but like I guess more kind of like level design based. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it's just very like, like that was very generic, and I was just like, but Toho Luna Nights was so good. What what happened here? 
Yeah. And like like a like a shooter, uh that game if you if you can if you don't hit a wall with the bosses, that game seems like it's going to be about like 3 or 4 hours long. Yeah. It's like really straightforward and compact. It's really cool. Um I was really impressed with it. So uh if anyone has other Toho games that they think are worth checking out, uh without assuming I'm never going to care about the lore and don't want to learn, uh please let me know. <laughs> I have to know about enough anime lore for my other job. Thanks. <laughs> it's true. I guess I did play some games this month. Would you play? Uh, which is not not nothing like worth spending too much time on. Uh, but I got a new iPad, which meant I had I tried Apple Arcade stuff out. Where they've put out all the games that were like old iOS games, but now they don't have microtransactions in them. Yeah, I spent when I spent some time with Apple Arcade, I had a really good time. There's like cool stuff in there. But now you're just like, oh, right, Jetpack Joyride, the classic. It's still good. It's the same fucking video game. <laughs> oh, I didn't know they had that in there. I was playing, like, small puzzle games that I, like, you know, kind of like, um, what's the name? Of that? I don't even remember the name of those games. There's just good stuff in there, I think. Yeah, no, they had, there's, like, there's, like, a version of Cut the Rope. Uh, it's like a version of Angry Birds. It's weird. It's weird. It's like going, traveling back in time 10 years, but now they've taken all the, like, money out. Uh, they're, like, normal games. Oh huh, yeah, that's not what I was spending my time on when I uh, played that. <laughs> no, I, w- I want to try more of the actual like puzzle games. I, I wasn't like spending that long. Really, what I've been doing is playing like crosswords and Sudoku games, and that like you know I've been playing the good Sudoku thing and trying to do that every day on top of the crosswords we're all doing. Just getting into puzzle shit. <laughs> oh, there you go. Doing my best. Where's the next room game? Where the fuck is the next room game? How long has it been since Old Sins? a long time i know they made that vr game but nobody gives doesn't a shit count about VR. does not count make a game I for played a little vr at a friend's house in the last month i used an index briefly played a couple games uh played thumper Thumper's really bad in vr uh by the way so, i bet it is that um, sounds really weird uh you know I, I played a little bit of alex and tossed a gun back and forth and put on a hat and that was neat uh it's not worth the money it costs it's crazy also didn't really work with me not wearing my glasses it was very blurry yes I mean, yeah, let's, a lot of people wear glasses. It's hard to make VR work with glasses. Like, obviously, all games are inaccessible by some degree. They are exclusionary, yeah. both on monetary and physical reasons. This is just a, a thing with the medium. VR takes us to like an extreme in all directions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I because, was like, I was like yeah. impressed more than I was expecting, but also like extremely not convinced this is a thing anyone needs. So, I mean, I no I one wants mention it. No one wants it. <laughs> Is the thing like people? You can enjoy it, right? You go into a VR thing and enjoy doing it. But generally speaking, when you want to game, you want to just sit down and play a fucking video game and not, you know, get suited up. Uh, it's just so much. Um. Yeah. The thing I would use it for is uh, VR stuff. Uh, or sorry, like rhythm game like stuff. Uh, my friend had me play Synth Riders. That game is fucking cool. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Um. Because that's kind of like Beat Saber, more about like moving, like not hitting targets, but like following paths that are being projected out at you. So it feels a little dancier. It was fun. I had a good time with that. The funny thing is the, that the, the game I want to play in VR is the Veil game that I just reviewed. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I think that with like the, you know, like the, the, the little Valve controllers, um, because like the thing is I ended up just like, you know, just putting a headband over my eyes for the entire thing and just kind of just operating on like my ears. But like by the end of it i was like use i was turning my head to the sounds to try and hear them better and i was like oh wait it doesn't work but yeah. like give me yeah. positional audio that tried with head tracking and like you know yeah. let me like you know bring my hands into it now we've got something mm-hmm. really interesting 
yeah, the the controllers and the way the like um, speakers are integrated in the headset are were kind of like the most impressive parts to right? me for the the, the index. <laughs> um, because I I yeah I put on those controllers I'm like oh th- you just do everything this is like really like nuanced and and cool. Um, maybe there's something to these motion control things that everyone abandoned unfortunately. <laughs> I like the uh, Wii. Yeah. Too bad the Wii games happened. Yeah. Still might be played away right. Resident Evil 4. Um no, no. I can't go there with Oh, me. see that made me it would make me very happy to play it that way. I've only played it on the GameCube and on the Wii and I thought they were like I, I was happy to play the Ada stuff and I didn't think it was like worse. I you know, I thought it was fine. I mean, I I like the the Wii. It's a good version of the Resident Evil 4, but I, I don't know. I can't I can't say it's like the best one. It made aiming a lot easier. <laughs> Uh, but then I, I don't like the uh, like control difference in the new version where they want you to go left trigger, right trigger. That sucks. Yeah. Like, in, in they don't, you can't move, but the main way that like it is mapped in the modern games uh, is uh, to... Um, when, you, when you plant your feet to aim, you're mo- like moving the aim stick with the, with the right stick now. Like, you move with the left stick and aim with the right stick, even though you can only do them... You can't do them at the same time, but you do do them with different sticks, mm. uh, which is frustrating because there is there is a way to change it back. Uh, but on PS One, it changes it back by also changing the aim button from the right trigger to the R One button, which feels worse. So there you go. Got some critiques for the Resident Evil Four ports, uh, aiming schemes, and button mapping. Hard hard <laughs> criticism, but I'm not mapping. <laughs> Call out Capcom for this. We can talk about these terrible video games now if you want.
our game club this month, breaking from our format for the past almost eight years, uh, is the Tokyo RPG Factory Co. Limited's trilogy of RPGs. We each took one of them. Um, the, this is a company founded in 2014, a subsidiary of Square Enix, uh, to churn out 16-bit RPG throwbacks. Basically, they were like, what if we made Chrono Trigger but gave it no budget? And they just kept doing that. Um, and uh, I played I Am Setsuna, uh, Dio played Lost Sphere, Jackson played Oninaki. I'm going to, uh, we're going to go through them, we're going to introduce the game and talk about the plot and kind of some of the mechanics each, and then we'll just have a conversation. So we're just going to have to get all the homework out of the way here. Um, yeah. It'll make it easier. If so, an episode ends up being a mess, then that's why we don't normally all play different games. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> I Am Setsuna is a 2016 game that came out on the, originally on PS4, Vita, and Windows in Japan. Um, this is a game uh, about a snowy land uh, beset by demons, and once a generation, a young girl takes it upon herself to be the sacrifice to go to the lost land, or the last land, sorry, not the lost lands, the last lands, and sacrifice herself to quell the demons for another generation. Um, your character is named Endir, and he is just a guy in like a knight armor, and he's very taciturn, and you never know really anything about him throughout the entire game. There's no reveal about who he is, doesn't matter. Um, and he's tasked with executing the next sacrifice and he goes to the village and the sacrifice is a girl named Setsna and she convinces him that she's off to die anyway so he should just you know escort her and that will be the conclusion of his mission because she'll be dead anyway and you're like I guess I'll, that's that makes sense to me I signed up for this um, and you become one of her guardians taking her to the last lands uh, you get a ragtag group of characters um, there's like a little kid who's like got a bunch of magic there's a, a, an Aran type swordsman who turns out to be your illegitimate father who he was the guardian of the last uh, sacrifice who was her mom, but she died on the way of a broken heart when he was like, you're the sacrifice. I can't love you. And she's like, well, then I pass away. And maybe the stupidest scene I've ever seen in an RPG. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a, there's a cool, uh, like a dragoon knight lady who turns out to be the last of the Royal bloodline of the lost kingdom, which is where the last lands are. Um, and she's like, I want to go there and reclaim the power of the throne. And we could stop this with that, with my king energy. Um, and you help her out with that. Uh, you get to the last lands and there you find uh, a woman called the time judge. Um, and she is like, she looks exactly like one of your uh, party members, like one of the original guardians of Setsna, who's named Eterna. And it turns out that she has been waiting for someone to come uh, every time. Uh, and offer up her life energy to allow her to continue to seal up something called Dark Samsara. And I'm like, isn't Samsara already, like, pretty bleak? It's, like, suffering? You don't... This is, like, you know... Yeah, but this is the uh, Dark Samsara. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when her mother came... Uh, back in the day before she died, she talked to uh, she talked to the time judge and she was like, I think my daughter is like different. I think she's going to come and she's going to be able to break this cycle of, of sorrow. And I want you to help her out. She's like, OK, uh, if I believe that she can do this, we'll do it. And so um, when that happened, every the party came and talked to uh, the time judge and they keep 
this is the time judge has been in this loop of trying to get Setsuna to finish the fight uh, forever. Every time she comes up, she's like, no, I'm going to sacrifice myself actually. And then the time judge is like, well, your mom said you'd be different. So she resets time to when Setsuna sets out on her journey and just keeps recycling the times. This time, however, she's when you show up, she's like this Ender guy, he wasn't here last time. I don't know what his deal is. Uh, and uh, Eterna, who looks like the time judge has been like the avatar who's been sent with you to make sure things are going differently trying to push things in the right direction each time um and she's like she's convinced that now that uh your character's there maybe things will be different setsna has more fire she's uh she's been hardened in the like uh dragon age (laughs) version of like talking about how characters develop and so you go and so she gives up her powers to like break the time cycle she's like okay well this time i'm not going to recycle time i'm going to give you the last of my powers and you have to do it because i'm not going to be around to reset anything um and so you go and you meet with dark samsara and you defeat it um but it doesn't seem to do anything uh and it turns out that when you defeated dark samsara it retreated back through your memories into the past and you're like, well, what do we do? We don't have the time, lady. We can't go back into the past. And Setsuna's like, actually, we do have a link to the chain of memories to the past. Uh, and you're like, what are you talking about? Uh, and it turns out that only Endir and Setsuna have been able to see the save points in the game. And the save points are a footsteps of your path back into the past. And you use the power of the save points to travel back to the day where uh, Setsuna's mom was going on a journey where Dark Samsara is in its human form. And your character defeats it. And then Setsuna takes it within herself, like to show it what like compassion and love is. And then she's like, Ender, do your job. And you kill her. And that's it. Cycle broken. Everyone happy. Except Ender, who wanders the earth uh, with like a, the spirit of Setsuna watching over him. The end. <laughs> Wow. Sure. <laughs> uh the game is Chrono Trigger. That's it. That's that's the video game. It's all snowy and it's Chrono Trigger. You, there's three characters to a party. There is an active time battle system. Uh everyone gets techs. Uh there's dual techs that combine various techs into the special moves. Uh, it's all about exploiting elemental damage. Uh enemy drops base are based on kills using the elemental damage, which allows you to buy new techs from the shop. Uh, you don't get them to level up, but it's like the most rote battle system possible. I have like nothing to say about the battle system. It's just, it's just boring Chrono Trigger. <laughs> it's fine. It's totally fine. I didn't hate it. It goes on too long. My t- final time was like 16 hours, um, which seems short for an RPG, but it was an exhausting 16 hours because nothing happens. Damn. That's my game. <laughs> uh,. <laughs> There's some similarities there between that game and my game. And, and mine. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. I know these all have the same scenario, writer. I feel like I would want to stretch a little bit. Oh, do they I have the same scenario, writer? Because that yes, they do. explains so much. Same director, same scenario, writer. All right. So is uh, it, am I up now? You're yes, up now. You're up Lost now. Sphere. Lost, Lost Sphere is... Um, it was released in 2017 for Switch, PlayStation 4, and Microsoft Windows. Um... It's Chrono Trigger. Um, the the premise of this one is that uh, the world was created by the moon, and a long time ago there were this these plated people who walked around in mechs, and everything was okay until oh no they had conflict, and then they started like you know the world started disappearing around them. Flash forward years later, you're this like little kid named you're not a kid you're like a teen named Kanata, and you're best friends with this girl named Lumina. You uh, go out exploring, come back home. Oh, shit, your home's not there anymore. It's like a white void where your home should have been. And um, turns out that, like, 
Kanata has the ability to take memories and turn them back into these lost spaces and then kind of rematerialize them. Um, it turns out the whole world is having this phenomenon where things just go missing and they call it the lost, uh, which is where the sphere things comes from, the lost sphere comes from. And uh, you end up walking your ass all the way over to the imperial, like, you know, throne, uh, the giant city. Um, step back. And here, your hometown is called Elgarth, uh, as in, like, Los Chicos de Wayne's World. Um <laughs> <laughs> And, and you, the, the the empire that of which you are going to go visit is the Gigante Empire. Um, so you go to the Gigante Empire and you you join the empire. They're like, "Wow, this kid's got this ability. Let's take him with us to go see this, you know, uh, this this ruin of where the the, the plated people who had mechs once lived, because uh, the empire wants fucking mechs. They're called Volko suits because I guess you can." trademark Volko suit um and then uh you you shit happens there your friend gets injured they take him back uh the empire is like hey we need your help to go do some other things and you're like we're good citizens of the empire let's go do that um you go there turns out that there's a native people and they're on a on, on a mountain that is full of a natural resource that the empire wants to create bombs basically um and they kill everyone there that they, they, they take prisoners and you're like wow i wish these people hadn't fought back we wouldn't have had to injure them or take them prisoner maybe the empire is not so great um this keeps going on eventually you realize oh the empire is actually shit um it takes way too long but um then you go to the other side of the world because now you're wanted by the empire because they uh you know, you betrayed them by telling them that they're, they're, they're assholes. You meet a bunch of random people that join your crew, like a giant sentient monster who was born from prayers um, named Dianto, the Demon King, um, which... Uh, they just put a golem in the game? That's cool, like, actually. <laughs> but he's like he's like this big, like, kind of softy. Um, oh, really? Yeah, like, he's, he's got, like, a big hammer, and he's, like, this big blue, like, demon guy, and he's like... I want to help them. I'm Dianto, the Demon King. Um, no one is voiced except for in like battle combat, and they're all voiced in Japanese. Um, yeah, that's mine too. Yeah. Um, you also pick up like you know uh, a member of the tribe that you obliterated or helped obliterate, uh, who is the War Maiden, and she's real pissed off about everything in the Empire, and she's constantly like, you know, the Empire sucks, right? And you're like, no, the Empire is great. It's just a misunderstanding. And she's like, no, they suck. I'm going to kill all of them once you let me do it. Um, but in the end, you um, you go to another continent. You uh, start... Oh, been... God. <laughs> <laughs> this game is so fucking long. Um, in the other continent, you basically realize that the Empire is shit. Um, there is a commander who was the one who brought you into the Empire. And she reveals herself to be a woman and everyone's like you're a woman she's like i've always been a woman what are you talking about and it's like you could take screenshots of it and be like oh my god trans representation and no it's not um, but people would do that um don't do it uh but she's like you know this blonde woman and everyone's like wow we thought you were a man and she's like no and i thought the empire was good but maybe i was wrong and then you all kind of like get visited by this weird like manifestation 
and you realize like, oh, there's some shit going on that's beyond the Empire. It's not just the Empire. The Empire is being controlled by a weird metaphysical creature called Krom, who's not actually a metaphysical creature. He's just like a dude. Um, bunch of shit happens. You go to like help one of your, you know, uh, your friend who was injured, he comes back. It turns out he's actually like been turned into a robot. You don't realize it at first, but even though it's really obvious to the player that, oh, this was my buddy. Um, now he's a robot fighting for the the Empire. Eventually he joins your side. One of your other companions like betray, you know, feels like you you, you let him down. So he betrays you to Krom, who is his former ally. Um, Krom is actually, he stole the moon's power. He was a researcher. And ultimately, he's the big bad guy. You just beat him? <laughs> you go to the moon. No time loop? Okay, You go, go to, to the moon. moon because the moon is in charge of everything. And it turns out that the moon has been, is has created the world. And it keeps destroying the world every time there's conflict. And it destroys the world by creating, <laughs> by, by just sucking these like pockets out away from it. And so that's what happened with the, the king of the plated people. They had a conflict. So the moon just like evaporated, just obliterated the world. And now the world is a being is, is conflicted once again. So the moon is obliterating it um, with Krom. Krom wants to, the reason Krom stole the power is because he was like, I don't want the moon, the, the moon to be influencing the world, even though he basically became the moon. And now he's trying to remake it um, himself. You go to the moon, you steal someone, you steal one of the empires, like, you know, sick mech planes and you go to the moon and then you kill Krom. The end. Not quite. Then there's a whole thing about like after credit, you know, the post game where you solve, you do some like little adventures. You kill another Krom. You kill some other bosses that are reminiscent of bosses from the earlier game. And then, you know, you come down to the, and it's like Lumina turns out to have part of her is part of the moon. And Kanata and Lumina both come from the moon. And so the only way to heal the moon is to send Lumina back. If you send Lumina back, or Lumina's like, I'm going to go back to the moon. That's the only way to stop this from happening again. I can heal the moon. And you have the option of being like, <laughs> no, don't go. And using your power to make her stay, um, which means Lumina's alive, but and on Earth or the planet. Um, and like with Kanata and the crew. Uh, but also the loss, the loss process is still happening. And maybe you can outpace it by Kanata just wandering the Earth and like, re-memorizing these places um but probably not uh who knows uh or you could let lumina go into this go into the moon and fix the moon and then the series the process of loss ha stops happening and maybe the world's okay but now lumina's in the moon no lumina for kanada um i think that's the that's clearly the right answer yeah here. like i was just kind of like sorry babe you gotta go you gotta go in the moon. You get to go to the moon and like she's gonna like kinda look down on you and like you know the moon's like this giant techno magical system. Like she'll figure something out. But yeah, and then the game ends with everyone staring up at the moon as credits roll. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> it's uh, fucking exhausting. How's the gameplay? The gameplay is identical <laughs> to yours. Uh, the big difference is you get memories. Um from from enemy battles and you can trade those in to get uh various skills and then also 
Um, there's a system called Sprite Night, which like that's what that's what my texts were called. Sprite Night. I equipped Wait, Sprite Night. To it's, the it's Sprite Night. Your game too. Jesus yes. Christ. Because <laughs> Sprite Night is a whole thing. It's like it comes from the moon in this game, and like you know. Oh, they're just like they were just like magical crystals in my game. It was not mentioned. Yeah, because like Illumina, she that. is the Sprite Night core is inside of her. Like and she huh, and there's okay. like Sprite Night towers that control the elements and like, uh, but yeah, uh, God. Um, the only other difference is you kind of go around the world and like, you as you play you collect memories and then you can use them to like re you know unlost uh, aspects of the map, and sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes it's just for funsies and you can put like monuments. You can you can mem- you can like unlost monuments that like give you passive buffs in mm. combat Meh. um the before we get to jackson's i forgot a key part of my plot that you reminded me by saying sprite night dark samsara's whole thing is how it like arose is back in the day the, the like lo- the last kingdom that fell or whatever um had its magic power is waning and so it used the sprite as like magical technology and like there was one last child born with intense magical power and they experimented on him with the sprite knight and he learned to hate humanity and he became dark samsara that's the whole thing <laughs> that's why the kingdom fell uh, every rpg is the same <laughs> okay so let's 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 before i do man let's let, instead of doing another 15 minutes of explaining a plot let's let's do a bullet point list let's take what is in these two games what do we consider the precepts of a tokyo rpg factory game and i'll tell you if it's in okay so cycle of time loop bullshits uh the um world the, the like badness is representative of the hatred of the humanity or whatever and can we ever escape our sins uh there's a girl and she's nebulously connected to the evil. But definitely must, willing to sacrifice herself. Definitely willing to sacrifice herself. Um, all of these things are true-ish in this game. Uh, so, Onaki is a game about Kagachi, who is a watcher, uh, which is a kind of like supernatural cop. Um, he protects the cycle of reincarnation, which means... Uh, kills guys uh, the way reincarnation works uh as is believed is we know ghosts exist ghosts exist we can see them some people can cross over to the world of the beyond and find the ghosts uh but the ghosts only exist if they have like lingering memories of this world uh and lingering like regrets or wills or whatever and so you have to go find the ghosts and fucking deal with them so that they can pass on once they pass on everyone is like and then they get reincarnated but no one actually can prove that uh once the ghosts disappear from like you know because everyone when people are born they don't have old memories so no one really you know the reincarnation thing is nebulous at this point um the first half of the game uh is about uh hanging out uh with this uh uh spirit called uh, uh lynn um who is uh this uh like a non-aging child who's been around forever but refuses to pass on because she wants uh to save the night devil who is another powerful spirit uh who wants revenge on the uh on the realm because i don't mean to shock you here but his soul is full of hatred uh and we need to find out why he's so he he has such hatred and save his soul so we can protect the realm uh eventually uh in the first half of the game as a bunch of bullshit happens we realize uh the 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 night devil is me uh lene is his sister uh and 
I the, the, when the Night Devil died, his hatred lived on, uh, but his soul was split in two, and so you're like the other parts of him, and so you go, well, the only way to solve this is to uh, take the Night Demon into me to absorb him again and sacrifice myself. Uh, and you do this, uh, and uh, you think, well, is that the end of the game? And then you're like, no, this is halfway through the game. You wake up in the Night Demon's body 30 years ago in the time loop. Uh, this uh, and then you discover that um, Lene is uh, Sara in the in history. She's she's Sara. Yora, uh, Soju is their real names. Uh, they they are the uh, next uh, like um, you know she, the next sovereign of the realm. Uh, and the realm is going to kill you and sacrifice Soju uh, so that Sara can be like more divinely protected. And that's just like part of the evil of the realm. And that's what the birth of uh, Soju's hatred is. And he dedicates himself to uh killing those who hurt others so he becomes basically evil batman uh and that is the night devil uh is he wants justice so much that he just starts murdering everyone uh and then you realize that actually that's not even quite true because uh sarah has um okay <laughs> you go through this time loop you, f- you figure out parts of his past uh the other ongoing plot is that um, in 20 years in the past, uh, another uh, queen rises up and executes Sara and takes her place and the royal bloodline is broken and in the present timeline can't do any of the like secret occult shit that you need the royal blood for that she didn't know existed before she did this coup. Uh, so you have to kind of stop that happening so you can then go into the secret occult shit that is like in the back of the palace and find out the secret of reincarnation. You do that, you realize the secret of reincarnation is not that everyone's souls get reborn, but while that happens, everyone's souls are... When you die, your souls are purified and the despair lives on and the despair collects and forms the Oni and eventually every human is killed by the Oni when... Uh, enough despair is built and then that civilization is destroyed and then the next cycle begins and then there's then everyone's reincarnated then there's a new only and it goes on forever uh and you are part of the uh, your sister's the only priest who's been doing this but she has like deliberately sent her spirit into the future to talk to you to see if you could get a different perspective on humanity and whether this is the right cycle or whether we can find another way and at the end of the game you can choose whether to break the cycle of reincarnation uh and fight the oni or whether to become one with the oni and accept that this is the way of things uh you're obviously meant to fight the Oni, you do, you win, and then your choices are either to kill yourself, uh, because, you know, if you're alive, the Oni can come back, uh, or to live on and watch over humanity. Um, and the game plays living on as, like, the better choice, but I think killing yourself is the right choice in this situation. <laughs> I didn't uh, even get a choice. I feel uh, like I got the short of the sick here, but we'll talk about it in a second. <laughs> uh, this game had slightly longer development time, so there's non-stop voice acting, but not the lines, just, like, four Japanese syllables that everyone already knows if you've, you know, watched any anime ever. <laughs> uh, they got a bunch of actors in to go, like, give you, like, four reads. And then you hear those reads over and over and over again. Lenny's like, Dajobu, every time you fucking do anything. You were on Skype to me for about an hour of this game. She said it about That's 50 times. That's what Luminous does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, great. Perfect. Um, what if they're the same voice so, yeah. for all of our characters? 
I did. I don't know about that. Yeah, my character just has like my characters had like end of battle barks and like maybe some yahyas during like big attacks, but that the, otherwise it is unvoiced. My main character yells out the names of the like uh spirits which are like your job classes that he uses whenever he switches to them uh and obviously i was using deer and i was using trays <laughs> so he was screaming out deer and trays all the time uh because those are those are my guys i got white deer and white trays <laughs> white deer white deer uses guns <laughs> uh so the actual thing is that this game is an action game uh this is an action rpg and uh it feels bad to play the combat is um you like your moves are very set you have a set combo and you have special moves the special moves can eventually get satisfying but they are never incorporated into the combos uh and the recovery time on the animations is so high that like the way you do dodges is really annoying uh it doesn't feel good as an action game because it doesn't like cohere into a broader system you just like plant your feet and do a move uh and when you do your combo you just have the one combo for the whole game the only thing that changes is you get more special moves which you're doing instead of combos but you don't chain into those there's no like action game flow right like in an action game you you do a combo and you do a move and it puts an enemy into a different state and then you can do a different move to them and that is just the way action games flow there is like a connect connection from one move to the other and there's none of that here it's very disconnected uh i think it's a really really bad action game and the part where it's like a grindy diablo uh action game is like a little better because square Enix can design rpg systems but it takes so long and i wasn't invested in it because you only got like 15 enemy types uh so yeah that was my disappointment with the game i think it's i think it's really bad um so we're talking about choices a bit does do any of your games have the thing where your characters are constantly asking you to like opine between two like relatively different choices but they never matter because mine had that all the time no okay because mine was always like oh do what do we think we should do it's like should we help this person like oh you know who cares leave them in like a way where like i felt like it was feeding into something but i checked and no it neither does anything it doesn't matter there's no like they're silently tallying it up on who you're going to date at the golden saucer to it there's nothing just constantly asking for my input on whether i should be a bad person or a good person it's really funny because like mine kept having that those moments but it never asked the question it just like went ahead and just did the thing um and it was always like you know, uh, there's one point you have to rescue. Like there's there's these uh, imperial soldiers who keep following you and fighting you, and they keep they like you do this kind of trio of boss fights, um, and eventually they get poisoned, and you have to like you know take them back to the town to cure them, and like the 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 tribal war chief girl, she's like, um, maybe let's not, maybe fuck these guys, and then everyone's like, what should we do, Kanata? And Kanata's like we're going to bring them back and help them. And then everyone's like, ha ha ha, of course that'd be the choice you'd make. We knew that all along. And just God. repeat that, like, every time there's a moral decision. And, like, you know. Mm-hmm. The one thing I forgot about is, like, the game is constantly questioning, like, wait, but, you know, but the Empire, we believed in the Empire. They can't be all bad. And then, like, it turns out, like, oh, there's, like, being corrupted by this, you know, Krom his name's Crom. Mm-hmm. Um and uh in the end, like the the woman commander, uh she's like, you know, I think I could go back to the Empire. They might not they might not take a deserter, but I really want to help, you know, them create the vision that Emperor Neo Dias 
sounds good to me. Doesn't sound right? evil at all. Um, fucking, uh, you know, believes in. And it's just like, really? We got through all of this at the end? You still think imperial power is good? Or at least, like, redeemable? Okay. Yeah, my my game had some of that as well. And that like, okay, so the uh, the realm is controlled by this royal family who's like evil, and they're also like, I guess, the Onis in some way. Um, that bit came really late though, uh, so they don't really talk about that much. But in the first part of the time loop, in in the main setting of the game, before it flashes back and realizes that was just like one possible timeline that she sent herself into the future in, in a dream. <sighs> The the when you first start playing the game, you think it's about this idea that like no one knows what happens with um, reincarnation, and because of political change, uh, all of the like secret blood magic that worked it out is gone. Because <laughs> uh, I don't like when like oh the royal family must be restored because they have the power of the blood to like talk to the gods, but I do like when the story is we killed them. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, and now we have to like work out how to do things ourselves um and so it like gestures towards that in a way that's kind of interesting uh but then instead of like going forward with that it is actually a setup to travel back in time and fix it because i guess consequences don't matter there's no point or anything we can just do a time loop and make it better now i guess um which is i like I, I there are time loop stories i like but i don't like when they actively make the game less interesting as you solve all the problems that were the only things the game had going for it. Because eventually you just get to a situation where the final boss is like, oh, human despair is inevitable and therefore we shouldn't live. And then you go, no, I believe in holding on to humanity. And I'm like, yes, I, I've played every JRPG. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't played every JRPG. Every JRPG I've played does this. They'll do this. Do something else. Please, dear God. Uh, and the actual thing is that, obviously, this is the plot of all of them, but these games, or at least my one, doesn't have, like, character to it. I don't have situations where it's like, oh, yeah, my party members are having a good time interacting. And I like this because even though the plot's generic, there's there's stuff to hang on to with the with the people involved and the, the sub-stories. But they, they felt very generic um, as it was doing. It's like, oh, tragedy stories because everything involves people dying because it's such a death game and it really wants to be dark some points, but it, it doesn't really hit... So you showed me the picture of White Dia um, in game, and like <laughs> I was like, I was like, hell yeah, um, you know, sure. Um, what did that translate to in the game for you? Was it like because mine had like really nice character like portraits in, uh, like you know the 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 character status menus, um, but then when you entered the game, they looked kind of like leftover assets from Einhander. Like it was just like, what are these PS One collections of polygons that are like supposed to be people? Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of looks like if the bravely default guys grew feet. Um, is what I would describe the like in-game models as. Uh, it is uh like re- reduced, not quite chibi, but like reduced in like abstract art style, but not in a way that I think is beneficial. Um. Because everyone just has very like rigid animation set that they reuse yeah. a lot. Uh, the scenes are very rigid, and it doesn't. The whole I understand that like I've played Final Fantasy VII. I love that game. I played it recently. Um, that game is also like fixed angles and like set animations, but it just has so much more personality. This feels like it's taking the stock animations and applying them to everyone. Whenever like a guy's sad and has to run away, it just they do a very robotic run off screen, um, and it just like I don't know. You really feel the lack of polish. 
Uh, that's true of mine too, but I feel like by being, there's partially like mine's an old game now, right? Like it came out a while ago, uh, <laughs> in a way that like makes it feel, and like, you know, for like the last generation, it was on the Vita. Um, and it ends up feeling, and it's so like, it never breaks the camera, the top down camera. There's no like cutscenes or camera moves. There's mm-hmm. no CG anything. It felt very much like we are going to try to do our best to make the SNES game with modern technology. And I don't, I don't know if that's like a thing that's like good to try for, honestly, but at least it, it clearly was a manufacturing of the constraints and the budget it was given. It definitely doesn't seem like a game that had a lot of money or like time put into it. Um, in kind of the same ways that originally Bravely Default felt like, oh, like they're yes. just, you know, they don't have a lot to work with they're doing a ds thing it's kind of experimental but like that game had like a more personality and more weirdness about it like because these are deliberately meant to be throwbacks i just felt like this like crushing gravity of trying to live up to what people wanted out of rpgs which is like you, you got to go in there and you got to hit the emotional beats and you got to make it really desperate and you need to like include this one battle system that everyone keeps asking for even though we don't know how to make it like interesting or good <laughs> it wasn't that good in chrono trigger I this playing this really made me um appreciate that Chrono Trigger is like a breezy game with like really distinct personalities like my party all have like points of view and they like come to like loggerheads about decisions and like they're like oh should we help these people like no we need to keep going we're it's the end of the world we don't have time to like help this one village that's that's useless and like in a game with like better writing that would be the point but like nobody's fun there's no there's no yes. frog where i'm like man i just like that this guy talks funny uh and has a cool sword um there's nothing like that there's no there's no like you know uh robo and and uh and luca like relationship kind of stuff where like these characters bond and are become friends just like outside of even the party structure there's nothing like that yeah here. none of my characters had that, personality definitely... and they didn't even really have visual personality um like it was you could kind of tell there's one character, Vaughn, who is like, he's just a jerk the whole time. And he's like a prince and he's pissed off because like his whole kingdom like, you know, disappeared, which, okay, fair, fair reason to be pissed off. But he's just like a jerk the whole time. And it's not like, you know, it's not even like Magus being like broody little emo boy. Like, he's just like obnoxious. And like once he's like, he's like, why don't we just kill them and move on? And like, everyone's like, no, we're not doing that. Stop being an asshole. Like, that's it. Like. And he's just like, you know, your average, like, mm-hmm. white-haired anime nerd boy ma- magic user. Like, that guy's the protagonist of my <laughs> game. <laughs> like, uh, it's, it's, it's weird, right? Because, like, the, the game has um, the characters, right? It has characters when they have defined point of views and they do, like, technically interact with the plot and have differences. You know, they have the things that the good writing should have on some level, but I don't like them. I don't enjoy spending time with them in a way. Like, you mentioned Grave Default, and Grave Default has that as well, but it also has, you know, uh, Ring a Bell and Nadia beating each other up in, like, anime goofy, which is also tropey anime goofy stuff, but it is you know, slice of life goofy stuff. It is uh, human moments that I feel like are kind of left out of this game. Um, and I don't, I, I've been racking my head trying to think, like, what is it actually missing? Because there are things I think that are fine here and think that are, like, competent enough. Uh, but it is missing any kind of connection to the characters. And I don't know, like, what my advice would be uh, for how to get it back. Like, is it actually the bad writing? Or is it the, the animation is, like, delivered in such a way and the text boxes are so slow 
uh the like the writing can't connect would the same script work better if it was sprites animating like fast and snappily with a better uh, like artistic design of an actual snes game i don't know the answer to these questions but i was definitely like asking them as i was finishing the thing for me playing this was it felt like you get the scenario writer to write like the broad story of the game. And then normally you take that and then like that's where the process begins and there's a collaborative effort to like build out the world. But it seems like they took the scenario and like just made the game off of the scenario with like very little elaboration and like time spent on the beat to beat stuff for at least for my game. We're like... I'm like, this needed like a, a past that with a writer that cared about the characters that n- never got addressed. Uh, everything just feels very like perfunctory in a way to drive forward the plot in a way where like, I almost was like, okay, in a normal RPG, you, you, you have like, let's use Final Fantasy VII, you have your Midgar and it's like propulsive. There's like a goal and then it opens up and it gets a little weird. And you're like, you know, everyone dresses up as sailors to get on the boat. And then you're hanging out on like a resort and you're like, there's like elaborations and weird stuff happening. This game, I was like, I was, I was going through it. And I was like, okay, I get a grasp of the mechanics. Like, there's interesting stuff here. I like the party interaction. I guess that means the tutorial's over. It's time to get going. And then I looked up where I was on, like, a like a guide, like, table of contents. And I was 60% through the game. There is no other game. There's no, yes. like, elaboration or opening up. And I don't think making the game longer is a solution there. But I just think the time is not spent uh interestingly it feels like when people try to make an attempt for like this game is for people who either haven't played one of a jrpg before or haven't played one since the snes we need to make it for them but that just means you dumb everything down and also those people aren't going to play this game if they were going to play one they wouldn't pick this one uh it's- yeah which is not Bravely Default's problem. Bravely Default's like, we're going to make a D, like a 3DS style Final Fantasy V uh, game, and it's going to be for people who really like these kind of systems to like really fiddle with the battle systems. And that gives it like a sort of like, it's willing to just be kind of experimental and interesting because it knows the people who are playing it are like nerds who like RPGs. And I don't get the sense of that in this game. This is a game for people who don't play these style of games, but they're, they're not going to pick up this one. It's boring. It doesn't look good. It doesn't have voice acting. It's really funny because like, of the ones that like we of the three games, Setsuna was the one that I'd always kind of like. Maybe I should just get this. Maybe I should just get. This. And I was constantly on the fence of like. But everyone said it's boring and bad. And I'm like, yeah, but like maybe these old games are boring and bad too. Uh, maybe I should get this one. Just strictly because I'm like, what is like you know a JRPG set in a world that's just snow? Like that seemed yeah. that. The answer is exhausting and, like, and boring. Is, like, on, on its face, it seems interesting. Like, even, like, okay, the moon is constantly destroying the world, trying to create a world without conflict. Like, that's not a... As far as, you know, JRPG anime bullshit hooks go, not bad. Um, yeah. But, like, the moment-to-moment writing, it really does. It felt like it felt like the programmer was writing it. Like, when you're, like, you know, testing out a quest design in RPG Maker, and you just put bullshit in there. You're just like hi and everyone's like hi can you find my rat yes i'll find your rat okay great and then like you know the next the next you know like scenario beat is i found the rat for you thanks the the thing that really struck me was the like kind of like fan localizers who really overcorrected after like the working designs era it's like no everyone puts elaborations in these um, english translations and we're not going to do it we're going to make this as strict to the japanese as possible and they make the like most boring text i think that's what happened it's funny you mentioned that no well it's funny you mentioned that so i don't know what is true for your game but i looked it up i went and looked i looked at the wikipedia page and it mentions who localized this game 
Okay. Uh, and Oninaki was localized by fucking Alexander O. Smith, which is not... He's good at this. So it, it has to be the game. Because, huh. like, he did, you know, he's the famously the guy that did Final Fantasy uh, 10 and 12 and helped out with 8. Uh, but, like, famously, the 12 localization is incredible because that script is bad and boring. And they, like, added a load of flavor that the original game doesn't have. Uh, and obviously, like, I don't like the story of 12, but I can appreciate the effort put into the localization of that game to make it something special in the English form wasn't present in the Japanese form, right? That is just true of what they did to that game. And, you know, I've looked at his his work is is generally very, very good. This is not. And I don't, I'm like, I, I think he just, I think he just translated the game. I don't think he was like, I think it was just much to work with. Like for me, there was, um, there was one bit where a guy died, uh, like an old guy. Um, and he was like a, waiting for the, uh, demons to fight him and he fights them and he dies and then he just like turns up and he goes you're pretty good and i'm like hang on this game hasn't had any kind of that like, that playfulness this entire 15 hours leading up to this point uh so seeing that explained where that was coming from but uh I, it, it wasn't enough there wasn't actually enough personality there yeah mine was localized by a company called deco that just seems to okay. do like they're just a contract they did um they did like corpse party they do like a bunch of like small like switch in like japanese like indie games like shooters and stuff like that so uh nothing that like stands out but like you know they they they've done a plenty of work um doesn't seem like they did a ton of rpgs but like i know people like corpse party i haven't played it but Mm -hmm. um i really just think these games are just written extremely dryly right like yes it has to be because everyone just comes up and they basically say their thing in two lines, and yep. then I'm like, I, I understand your perspective here, but there's no like um, art to it, and art's even the wrong word. Like, I, I'm when you say art to it, you expect like really elaborate like portrayal. But I don't even mean that. I mean, we played Live Alive, and that's almost unfair to compare because it's one of the best RPGs ever made. Um, but the main plot of Live Alive is equally as generic as any of these games. Um, it is not that deep. Uh, the things that are happening in that game are uh, incredibly boring when viewed out from like a wide perspective. The thing it has is a deep understanding of like what makes genre, you know, genre storytelling interesting and different. It knows yes. why a western is different to a sci-fi thing beyond just uh, technology and like setting stuff uh even if it is all in the framework of a very generic story that like repeats throughout its chapters uh it understands like how to in a very short amount of time give flavor and bring you into different generic worlds and there's none of that here in onenaki or even though it is um you know not doing the same thing you could i enjoy sad stories about like cops working with ghosts that's an easy genre uh but it doesn't that personality doesn't come through uh, the thing that's funny about this is uh, Takeda is creative producer on your game. And in fact, there is a bit in the, the development section that like, yeah, he's the one who came in and was like, you need to make this one darker and like pushed it more into the like, we're murdering an entire town as the hero direction <laughs> compared that's, to the other two. That's one of the best moments in the game is um you, uh, the, the night demon, the, the, night, the night demon, the night devil, whatever his name is, uh, is uh, coming to attack the main town. He's like taken over your best friend, or like the, not your best friend, like the, the leader of the watches. He's taken over his body and he's now coming on the capital. He's going to attack. Uh, and you rush back to defend the capital. Uh, and you go back to the, um, uh, 
the 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 uh the castle and the you talk to the sovereign and they're like uh you now need to go on another quest and get us some cannons uh because we're going to defend with some cannons and he's like but you'll just fucking kill the people now we don't i don't want that uh and it's like there they are you know well we won't use them if if you do your job but we need to have a defense and so you go fine i'm gonna go get the cannons uh and you go out and then there's just a mob of people who are trying to do a revolution in the middle of all this in your way uh and you're like please just let me go past i don't care about this go away uh but they won't if you have you have to kill them to get past and then later on uh you you like change to the um demon world as you leave the uh, uh the demon world, the ghost world as you leave the castle later and like all the people you killed are just there uh and it's like a good moment because it's you know once they bring in writing to it you talk to like one of the kids and he's like oh i left my dog behind and it is suddenly becomes the most rote version of feel the tragedy but as an actual plot point it's good uh, I didn't have anything that like stood out in that way in mm-hmm. like my plot. There's just that one scene where you it turns out your your gruff old guy actually watched his like you know uh, girlfriend die. It's like oh I love you and uh, we can't be and she just drifts away like in his arms in like a cutscene and because it's this game it's just like him holding the model as everyone stands around in their models watching this in flashback. It's it's very uh, undramatic in a way that would work, but they're clearly going for it. Like, this is the saddest thing that's ever happened. And I'm like, nothing in this game is that sad. I'll be honest. It's weird because my mm-hmm. game almost, like, tried to, like, avoid tragedy at every turn. Um, Like, there's one there's one scene where you, like, there's one part where you get to the town where, and it's the town where everyone decides, oh, the Empire's bad. And let's, let's, we need to, like, realize that the Empire is actually bad. Okay. Um, And you get to this town and, oh, the river, it's, like, red and it's, like, the town's not great and everyone is like coughing and sick and like you go you, you talked around and people are like oh um well the em- the the elder made a deal with the empire to get a lot of money for us um in exchange for storing the the empire's like toxic waste in our cave and it's like you find out it's like oh the the cave is actually where the water source is from and the empire is stuffing toxic waste in there and that's also where like the local apothecary got like all of their medicinal herbs um and so you you go there and you find out oh there's a giant toxic waste toad you kill the toad the water and like you know um and Kanad is like i will take the memories of what this cave used to be and i will make it back and so boom he brings the tree back the tree purifies the water the frog's gone the town is all perfectly happy and healthy and you run back with some like herbs and like the apothecary is like i'm gonna heal the the you know make the tonic to heal everyone you heal the elder who was like dead like basically dead and he's just like oh i never should have fucked up and everyone's like eh, no it's all cool everyone's fine no one's gonna die um also you didn't actually do anything wrong it was this poison toad that was polluting the water all along because and the the, the tree disappeared it's not your fault like you didn't learn anything you know no, no one's gonna learn anything from like your decision to like store toxic waste for the empire in your cave that's your water source and like it it can't even have like you know no one in the town dies um there's no lesson to be learned from like maybe toxic waste is bad and we shouldn't bury it in caves near our water supply like no just nothing everything nothing matters yeah uh there's like tragedy in my game right but like it is um if someone just goes no and then they die and th- the, because it's like a game about death all of the uh 
things are someone dies and they go either oh you have fixed me or someone goes oh i don't want to die and they do um and, and i'm just think i was thinking about lost odyssey a lot because lost odyssey has a bunch of short stories and most of them are very uh pat as well and they you know there's not many directions you can go uh with and then someone dies uh and the main character is immortal um but those those stories are really moving those are sub stories with like riddly touches and little uh uh like arcs that really hook you in and i just feel like the presentation of the short stories and side stories in these games had had none of that uh it was very disappointing yeah. we even had a character mine had a character named Locke, and he's the one who gets injured um through his own buffoonery um and and it has to be <laughs> turned into a robot even when he gets turned into a robot and he comes back and like you finally kind of like you know he fights you and everyone's like wait he seems really familiar um and then like finally like you know you realize and, and like no one really makes like it's not like you know wow my dude you're all fucked up and a robot now what's that like everyone's just kind of like it's lock lock's chill we're chill with lock again which i guess is nice but also the empire turned your bro into a war machine maybe maybe sit Bye. with this for a minute I mean, this is this is the JRPG thing. The frustration, like I like JRPGs a lot, uh, but I get frustrated with some of the like recurring plot things, which is ideas are brought up and then subsumed into the greater question of should we kill everything or not, and then your party says no, we shouldn't, and then all the problems that are brought up are just ignored. Like ah, I guess we'll struggle on with the the nature of humanity, and I'm like, we could deal with the problems like directly in a story that is possible. These games are bad. Uh, yeah, do we have anything else to go into emails? Because uh, this has been a negative segment. It has been. It's weird because, like, I playing through this. There are times where I was like, "This is this is fine," in like the, yes. the vaguely pleasant way to spend an hour, just like going through a dungeon, fighting some monsters. There's a boss. The bosses in this game are not like puzzly in the way that like a final fantasy boss is but they are like hard checks on do you know how to like effectively deal damage and heal based on your like move sets um and uh you know if they, like we have an email of someone who like hit a boss that was relatively hard i thankfully i had power i found a place to power level like a couple dungeons before that area and had a good time uh doing that for a little bit but um like the 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 act of playing an RPG, I've always held as like inherently interesting and I and like fun and like worth doing. And I feel like the pull here, but you really do need some characters to care about to get through the rest of it, where there's like a, a plot and cutscenes. That's the thing is like you know, like hello, I'm like you know the one who plays all the wizardry games. Like I fucking love yes. me some grindy ass number crunching motherfucking RPG dungeon crawls. The reason I like the Wizard mm -hmm. games is because I can name them after my friends. And now it's like, no, this isn't just some, like, nameless elf. This is M. And M is going to, like, you know, fucking become a lord one day once they, they, they do all the lifting and read all the books. And now, you know, they're no longer, they can graduate from priesthood to being a lord. Like, that makes it fun. Like, having a connection to something that I, someone I care about makes it more interesting. But I just couldn't care about these characters. So, like, I was constantly, like, four or five levels behind, um, which means I did, like, I hit some, like, bosses where I was just like, this sucks. I hate this. But, like, um, I'd beat the boss eventually. Like, i just power through it. And then it was like, everyone went up five levels. And it was like, oh, you actually didn't really gate this well for anyone to not 
just spend all this time grinding. Games haven't done this since like yeah. Final Fantasy One. Don't. Yeah. Oh God, man, that's an annoying video game. It, you know, yeah. Okay, Final Fantasy One. Like, yeah, you're gonna have to spend time on the nest yeah, specifically. You're gonna spend some time in the fucking forest fighting giants so that you can buy a full set of silver weapons for all of your crew. All right. So that you can go down to the you know the marsh caves. <laughs> but like, uh, we haven't done you, that in a while. Yeah. This game didn't have dungeons like that for me, but it had the problem where, like, the whole game is built around um, a grinding, like, sphere grids for each of these, your weapon types, and uh, you you get, like, 11, I think it is. It might be more, it might be a couple less, I don't know. But you get a lot of these uh, uh, ways to uh, grind up your uh, uh, levels and your... Um, sphere grid basically they all have a sphere grid and it takes so long to unlock anything and you've got too many things like mac like min max so you have to pick and choose but you can't pick and choose in a way that's interesting because you only get points to level up the one you're using so you have to use a shitty one to figure out if you like the other skills that you get later uh which focuses you into laser focusing and then all it really does is exist to set up a framework by which you can replay these boring levels over and over again even though there's only 15 enemy types um and eventually maybe spend like 60 hours in a post game that i'd like wasn't interesting the first time my uh, game also only has about 15 enemy types just yeah. they color swap them out i don't understand why you would put so much resources into like the things you and your party can do when the things they are like acting against are so rote and boring yeah the thing that uh like, i would I mean, what i kept yeah. coming up against is like you know i actually did like um I like the like kind of like handful of like tile sets that I ran into in my game. Like they were really pleasant to look at. Um, even like like there's like one that's like spooky shipwreck uh, zone and like spooky shipwrecks. And I'm like, this looks dope. Like, and I just kept like going thinking like you know this is a very expensive RPG maker game, but like it's, it's it, but it ends up being like an RPG maker tutorial is what it feels like. Where they like they they give you yeah. a game that teaches you how to like use RPG Maker. It's kind of a thing that they do, and I just kept like when I'm like, what if Tokyo RPG Factory was just the team inside of Square Enix that made a, you know, that made RPG Maker, that made the Square Enix version of RPG Maker, but it was this, and like it was like here's some sick asset packs, here's like you know an engine where you can script this shit and like you know put it together in an RPG Maker fashion instead of cranking out three mediocre rpg maker games themselves yeah um yeah, my thing with like the environments on mine is that the snow stuff is originally like very pretty it's like oh you're going through like a like a field here's a forest here's a snowy village and then you go through another one and it's like here's a field here's a forest here's a snowy uh, castle town um and then I'm like, I'm like, I'm desperate for something else. And you, you get to like a void. It's like, it's like just a bunch of like stone flat platforms over like a big swirling green void. You're like, this is new. This is different. I'm, I'm feeling this. And then you, you go to the next place, which is another big snowy field. And then you go to the next place, which is a bunch of platforms over a brown big void vortex thing. And I'm like, you just reuse the only other one you had. <laughs> why? Yeah. Why are we here? It's hard to make assets. <laughs> Also, I'm very confused by why um, my game takes place in Spanish-speaking globe. Because there's also Los Labrin. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's weird um i know mine had a thing it was like it was on the wikipedia description where like mine they deliberately didn't use katakana for things that are typically in katakana and would use like the kanji like to be more like i don't i don't know like more like literary about it but like none of that comes through in the yeah. translation obviously um and also everything feels like you know fire emblem medieval so yeah mine was just very like um aside from aside from the the dungeons which ended up like there's like kind of like maybe three dungeon tile sets and they're all kind of like aztec ruin but like well-preserved aztec ruin Mm -hmm. not like overgrown with vines aztec ruin um and then everything else is just kind of generic medieval mine was um more just like japanese uh like no, not exactly, but definitely like Japanese and Asian inspired. Uh, like you know, because it's doing about reincarnation, and it definitely leaned into that uh more than doing the, like uh Western JRPG fantasy stuff. Like, there's no knights here, right? Uh, Except for the yeah. imperial capital. The imperial capital is like steampunk Victorian London, and like the whole thing takes place in a fog. Great. Even even my like castle was just like rundown castle, frozen castle ruins. Not very interesting. What if a castle was blue? Uh yeah. And I, I eventually my game like spends about ten hours ending. Uh, it ends so many times. You have like five final dungeons, or what I thought were final dungeons when yeah, I started. Thank them. God I did not. I had one final dungeon, and then like the 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 whole like coda of like going through the time loop and back through the save points was about twenty five minutes. Because I I thought because when I got to the end of the game where I was stabbing myself and uh, taking in the night demon, I was like, okay, this has to be like the fake ending and then i've got to go back to the palace and deal with whatever because i'd already seen the like secret shit under the palace that was like clearly the actual end of the game um and i was like okay so we'll deal with this and i'll go back to the palace and then that'll be the game i was like okay there'll be one more dungeon but then i, I stabbed myself and instead of time loop began and then i began a quest where i had to go back to every single area i'd been through and go through them again to like cool. to watch short scenes that were flashback scenes to fill in some shits uh and that finished then i ve- finally went to the palace and i went to the palace and went to a null world and in the null world uh i uh found out some stuff and then came back to the real world then went back to the palace and um found a different whole thing oh no i skipped one i go to the palace i kidnap uh i kidnap the princess we then go into the first pillar which is like the crystal area i guess then we go to a dungeon there which it seems like the end of the game then i go into the null world and then i go back to the palace and the palace just becomes an abstract dungeon for no reason even though i should just theoretically be able to walk up to the final boss uh they they put in some some dungeony areas just 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 because at the end mine thinks mine had a um you get to like the end like right before the final dungeon it gives you like side quests for all the characters that are basically like go do a short story beat with them and you get their like best magic their best sprite night and i uh, did one of them and i was like i don't want to do any of these i don't care about these characters enough to see their like loyalty mission uh and then just skipped see, all people that did that the game also apparently if you do them they make wow. the boss oh, harder God, so um yeah no mind you like i think you have to do the loyalty missions because mine was like goading me through loyalty missions um my, yeah, mine you literally have to turn aside from the end of the game and go f- want to do them mine wasn't loyalty missions but it was when you upgrade your uh like 
the spirits in the sphere grid, uh, the way that future powers are gated off are through unlocking memories, um, and you unlock the memories, and then to go to the next bit of levels, you have to then go to a save point and watch a like backstory of all of the old guys in a different like menu, uh, and that could be like five minutes long. And you, each one of these has four, and you have like eleven guys, and they're bad backstories. They're all very generic. Uh, so that sucked. Can we do questions now? I don't want to talk about these games anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's finish. Let's finish yeah. this whole segment. like to send us an email they can be about anything they don't have to be about the game we're covering please sometimes i prefer it when they're not i'll be honest just give us some video game questions you can send them to abnormal mapping podcast at gmail.com we have so many goddamn questions we do and we didn't have and much too, and then i'm gonna be yeah. honest too many of them are about these three games and none of us want to talk about them so <laughs> uh we'll just do our best uh first one is from anna which is not about these games thank god because it came in a, long, a while ago um what do you think of the saga series ever since the the frog for whom the bell tolls episode i've been curious to try more game boy games and i saw the first bana game and the first three saga games are all in game boy which i'm curious to check them out any thoughts I so I played uh, the first Mana game. That game's sick. You should absolutely play it. It's incredible. Um, really loved it. Uh, that's uh, if you're looking for like the ROM. It's under Final Fantasy Legend. Yeah. That's a Legend, right? Yeah. Legend. Legend is that, and then um, yeah, wait. it's really good. I was super impressed with it. Um, absolutely, like one of the top tier Game Boy games. And then I tried to play the first Saga game, and those games are weird. And I'm not sure how much I'd get on with them, because uh, that game is like a roll-your-own-party, uh, and the gimmick, at least with the first game, and I know it changes a little bit, is there's three types of people. There's there's humans, there's monsters, and there's... I don't remember what the third one is. They're basically like psychic yeah. characters. Mutants. Mutants. Yeah. And uh, humans only level up through, like, bought equipment. 
monsters level up through like enemy drops that you eat you like they drop meat and then you eat the meat and you acquire the, your your monster transforms into a new form and it acquires like enemy skills basically and the uh the mutants there's this like what i don't even remember how they leveled up it's like an entirely different way of they acquire skills but it's it's just a lot it's very it's like and it's kind of like a directionless thing where you're like in this world you're like you got to climb this tower to the top uh and you 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 just kind of set out to do that but like because the leveling's so weird it's like hard to feel what progress looks like i had a hard time with it i know that gets a little more normal in the the other game uh the second one's the one people like just play the second one it's it's better but i haven't gotten around to it yet they're interesting yeah i i love i love the final fantasy legend the first mana game and I appreciate the weirdness of the saga games. Um, I actually, I think the the first Game Boy one is probably my favorite because it is the weirdest and most of an outlier. But um, I maybe need to revisit them. But gosh, who has the time? Uh, we have an email from Alex uh, who played Lost Sphere. Thought it was fine. Dropped it to do anything else around 60% in uh, as the boss fights were starting to become very frustrating. Uh, there's too many mechanics uh, and it was not good at telling you things about the game. Like evasion. The game keeps track of how many times you evade. How do you do it? Game doesn't tell you. Why do most of Oberus spells damage him? Uh, no, do I you don't. know the answer um, to this? Yeah, like, I, I do not know how you evade other than just like not being in the way of things or like... I guess sometimes, like, I just straight up just dodge things. Just it was like a dodge roll. Um, now, uh, but yeah, the bosses do get really fucking annoying and they don't communicate, like, what their gimmick is. Like, you know, Final Fantasy is actually, like, really good about communicating, like, what, what the kind of the, the deal with the bosses, like, very quickly. Like, in the first round or two, unless there's a, fa- a state of, you know, like a phase change, like, you kind of have the idea once you've gone through like a couple of rounds with like the first boss and this one, you will go through like 30 rounds and you'll just be like, why is the boss keep pulling new shit out of its ass? Um. Great. Uh, Alex has a question. What is a shakeup you'd like to see in the form of traditional RPGs? Uh, writing. I'd like some. Like <laughs> <laughs> the highest writers, please. Yeah. I think mine's just more focused on like character interaction stuff. And I, like, I don't mean like Fire Emblem. That's not what I'm asking for. Like, I'm not looking for support conversations. In fact, I'd like less options. I would just like a story about some characters interacting. Yeah, I think that's the thing I want is like, because all of these games have very similar stories. And I know that I am complaining about that. I don't actually want more ambition. I think more ambition makes it worse because I've seen a lot of JRPGs and uh, especially like the more I'm really ambitious recent ones and the people don't like and all the stuff and Final Fantasy VII Remake and stuff, which I'm fine with it right now, but it the ambitious stuff goes in like this epic direction that is just doubling down on all the frustrating things. It doesn't actually change uh, the writing. I would like more character writing, please. I want smaller stories with characters that I like to hang out with. Yeah, I think I'm with Jackson. Like, I mean, one of my favorite, one of my favorite JRPGs still is the original Lunar Silver Star story. Like, like Lunar fucking rips um, for me. And it's because it's got bog standard anime story. Uh, The characters are all like, you know, just cutouts. But like, They've got enough of, like, you know, kind of character interaction, a charm. They move pieces around. Like, the only ambitious thing about that game is they put in animated cutscenes. And, like, really, 
There's a whole yeah, vocal track in the middle of that game. There's vocals. Um, but like, you know, that's the first time I'd yeah. ever seen that. I, I love Lunar because it had an anime cutscene where a girl like, sings yeah, on like, a boat. And that's the most ambitious about it, but it's also still character moments. You know, it's never like the big anime yeah. cutscenes aren't like, you know, shit blowing up or anything like that. No, it's like, you know, Luna singing on a boat or, um, oh God, the big bad dude, his name is completely escaping me. Like, Galleon. Yeah, Galleon. Um, like just getting like rip shit mad about like you know, and it's just like yep. okay, cool. You've given me like the character beats. Um, you you or at least you use the amb- they use the ambition for the character development. Like do that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I um had a lot of fondness for I played Lunar on the PS1, which if I was going to go back, that's not the version I would play at this point. But um, man, that game was incredible back in the day. I'd never seen a game that was like funny and weird like that, even with all the working designs. See, imagine doing that on the Sega CD. Like, exactly. No, mind blowing. Um, Our next question is uh, by Ospagon. Uh, does anyone have any? Uh, the question is, what's the first game you ever pirated? But I was like early memories of emulation. For me, it's Nesticle. That was what I got started on. I just remember the icon for Nesticle and being like, man, I'm in. This is like dark internet. <laughs> Someone installed Project 64 on the school's T drive. <laughs> You're a baby. You're a baby. <laughs> Alongside Quake 3. I st- in my heart of hearts, I still believe there are kids playing Quake 3 in schools. I hope so. I know that's probably not true, but I feel like because I was after Quake Three's time, but it was just really easy to install on the T drive, <laughs> and so everyone was playing Quake in two thousand and nine. In sudden, we did we did the deathmatch demo for Daikatana. Um, yeah, <laughs> but like my like so much of my school life has been like revolved around like those last couple of years, which is like Daikatana deathmatch demo. Hell yeah. Never bought the game. Maybe I should pirate it. Well, no. I want to play Daikatana. I think you that's like John a thing Romero I would like to, to do. Just to be, I'm really curious. Sure, whatever. <laughs> yep. Um, next question is from Eric, who played I Am Setsna and finished it. Um, and was like, it brought back not only the interesting parts of Golden Energies, but all the annoying parts, like limited save points, unscriptable cutscenes, and a bunch of glitches. Uh, Eric had a mini boss right before the final boss gets stuck in an animation, which, yeah, that would have made me really mad. Um, had to rewatch all the cutscenes and stuff. Um, I, I'm going to stop right here. I think limited save points are fine. In fact, in many ways, yeah. I miss them sometimes. Um, because it, it makes you force, like, it makes people designing the game to, like, force the game into reasonable chunks where it's like, oh, they're not going to be able to, like, we have to make it so, like, you can save right before this point where the game gets really hard because we don't want people to redo it. And the games that, like, there are games that definitely don't do that stuff. But I remember in the 360 era, uh, I was playing Star Ocean 4, specifically it. And that game had, like, it would be, like, 90 minutes between save points. And I was like, what are we doing here? I don't want to play a game this long. Like, you've you've ruined the capacity of save points by bloating your game up so badly. Um I like them as like a way to measure pace. I'm like, oh, I'm at the save point. Well, okay, I can stop for today because I don't want to get involved in the next branch of bullshit that's happening. Yeah, um, uh, I, I, I prefer. I, I think limited save points are fine, especially now in the world where like everything uh, auto saves. Not even no, I mean more like where you can suspend things. Oh yes, um, because 
then you still have the ability to walk away and pause it and do something else uh, without finding the like, oh, mom, I'm not at a safe point yet. Whatever. Yes. Um, but I do think it's like, it, I think losing save points, um, you lose something in JRPG design, especially like this is the problem with Final Fantasy 13, even though it had save points, but because you can restart from every battle, the battles are, they feel more endless because they are not given the context of here is like, you know, in a JRPG, you go between save points or you go through a dungeon and that is a unit of like thought and the battle, your battle that you are having exists in context with other battles that you have already had and are about to have and it means this like boring quick battle like has decision making that it wouldn't have if it was just you seeing how quickly i can kill the guys i feel like we like this this the save the limited save point thing and it's funny because like you know I, I am i am of the time before the save points you know you saved at the end that's where you fucking saved yes um you uh. know uh <laughs> Yeah, playing a bunch of Dragon Quest uh, this past year, getting real used to, like, I gotta go back to town. I gotta say. I also, I feel like, you know, and maybe this is just me. Maybe it was just that, like, older games, uh, you know, the the kind of, you know, dungeons are, like, you know, an attrition thing. It is managing your resources to get to the end of it and still have left something left in the tank for the boss, you know? Um, And I feel like, Mm -hmm. one, we really kind of have gotten away from that. But, like, I feel like, you know, it used to be, and this is a complaint I have about everything, is that, like, status management and, like, status effects and buffs and debuffs and, like, all of that shit used to feel like it mattered a lot more. So, like, when you were, like, going from, like, town, you know, and, like, you have to go through the forest to get to the dungeon and then you had to, like, manage the dungeon and, like, you're like, well, shit, I'm fine on cures, but I'm fl- fucking out of antidote. What if someone poisons my crew? And like having to make mm. those decisions, like that... just going through it. But like, you know, going from save point to save point, like a lot of times it feels like in in the process of, of, of adding save points, they've also lessened the attrition factor in addition to that. Yeah. That is a big thing that whenever I go back and play old RPGs, I am always caught off guard by the fact that I... in. I'm in modern games. I very rarely buy. I'm very, very right. rarely even buy cures, yeah. right? Like I'm. I've got some. I've got some spells. Um, but the idea that I'm having to manage multiple uh, status effect items, consumables, even uh, is it's in games. It's not taken out of Final Fantasy, but I definitely consider it less. And then when I go back to main games, I'm like, oh, I just like leveled up and did some heals. I forgot. I needed to buy at least thirty antidotes before I go to this place. Yeah, my 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 rule of thumb has always been: if I go into a town and I see status effect items, I always buy five just in case. Just in case. And if yes. I start running into enemies that use them a lot, then I'll go and stock up. Most yeah. times, you never need them, but it's it, it's always better to just have a couple lying around. You never know. Uh, when I was playing Final Fantasy One, you you don't have the. Uh like gold uh overflow to be able to do just 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 get five antidotes is yeah yes. that's some stuff you gotta yes. pay to save in that game god uh eric did have a follow-up question what's the worst bug or glitch you've had to deal with in a video game have you ever lost a ton of progress to a crash uh yes but i don't remember any like memorable stories you've had here. didn't you have a problem with this game you had multiple problems with oninaki didn't you uh yeah well yes oninaki started breaking one of the animations broke on on white deer <laughs> uh just locked in a wouldn't fire like the, the, the gun charged and then it fired but it wouldn't break out of the charge phase and it was fine for a while because i kept being like hit out of it by the enemies and i was like why isn't 
why why isn't it firing i guess i'll wait till there's no enemies around and i'll fire it off and see and make it and you know see what activate this skill and then i did that and i was like oh shit i'm an idiot now i have nothing to break me out of this locked animation this is totally a glitch and i had to go back to the start of that fucking dungeon mm-hmm. uh, but more generally speaking in the past i'm trying to think about like classic glitch stories and it's happened to me but i don't i can't remember any like oh and then i died right before the final boss I mean, of dark had, souls we had um we had a game called game you couldn't finish because of glitch. When we played Atelier Verona, your your game like corrupted and wouldn't let you continue at a certain point. It just crashed every time. That was Destiny. Oh, that was Destiny. Okay. I, had I just didn't finish the video game. <laughs> I had Quake 2 take out my computer. Um, <laughs> that was fucking wild. John Carmack's going to make it his bitch. <laughs> yeah, well, it was really funny because like that was uh, like, God, that was the, uh, I had a, a one of the Pentium 2s, like the big cartridge one, the, the the fucking weird giant not like a chip it was a socket um pentium 2 and like the, one of my friends is like dude you could put linux on it put linux on it play quick 2 at linux i was like all right fine um and like it like just it hard crashed like, like and like wouldn't post and i was just like what the fuck did your linux shit do to my you know like thing he's like no nah, man it must have been quake god so yeah i definitely irrevocably irrevocably corrupted one of my pokemon red or blue carts doing missing no glitches and shit that was on me though flukes too close to the sun yes um another eric writes in uh with a question uh for dia and i guess both of us but mostly for dia uh the question is have either of you played morrowind before and for dia would either of us like morrowind <laughs> uh no uh, i've not touched I, it once so i couple years back went and like downloaded like all of the recommended like additions to Morrowind like got it on my computer put some mods on some stuff that I'm like I, I know that I kind of want this and then I got in and I got to like the first little area and realized how the like keyword questioning system worked and got incredibly overwhelmed and turned it off and never went back <laughs> yeah I think I think honestly I think uh, both of you would hate it just for that reason <laughs> um like, I think when you realize that, like, oh, um, uh, like, you can roll a wizard and, like, you could start the game as a fucking wizard and, like, put all of your shit in magic and all of your shit, like, and you will cast a spell and it will just, like, you know, it's got, like, maybe a one in four chance of actually working. Um, and <laughs> yeah. it's now it's taken out, like, half of your magicka bar unless you went with the Atronach. Uh, but, like, yeah, if you went with the Atronach, sure, you got more Magicka, but also, guess what? Now it's never going to recharge when you sleep. Uh, I I love Morrowind. I think both of you would hate yeah. it. I want to see someone play through Morrowind and, like, I want to appreciate it on that level because, yeah, it feels unapproachable at this point. But it seems cool. My thing is, like, I didn't, like, I didn't get into Oblivion. I thought Oblivion's, like conversation system was so obtuse i never engaged with it um it was fallout that got me into bethesda games and my realization was uh that the framework of knowing i don't need to pick up clipboards made me understand how the game worked in a way where like i was overwhelmed by the amount of stuff in a fantasy world where i didn't know what was relevant or not so when i came to skyrim i'm like oh i don't need skulls i already know what trash loot looks like in this game because i was coming from jrpgs where anything you pick up is useful there's no such thing as like trash in like a final yeah. fantasy um and so it was really hard to wrap my head around that style of play because I just wasn't used to it. Before. See, like, once you get you, the Havoc engine, 
you take the, the skulls are important because how are you going <laughs> to fill a motherfucker's bedroom with skulls unless you've picked up every one of those skulls? Um, unfortunately, I just tend to play the video game for the, the story and not fuck around. I'm boring this way. Like, Yeah, my thing with these RPGs is that I'm very bad at playing RPG, these RPGs without like with allowing the limits on role playing that comes with uh western rpg design when i play planescape i just gave myself all the skills so i could see all the dialogue options uh i do not limit myself into a character and see which way that goes because uh in like, like the tabletop way because it's not a tabletop game so it's not dynamically changing anything so i just want to see the stuff that's there uh and that's just a, like my issue i'm i've just never allowed myself to truly dive into like uh a western rpg in that style i always just like break it open and see what's there there's a really fantastic murder mystery in um oblivion um and it's getting like you know uh it's one of those like you're locked in a house and someone's the murderer and who is it and ultimately it's kind of like everyone's a murderer in their own way it's basically just fucking clue yes in a fantasy mansion um but like I had all, I, like I had like at one point cheated and just like given myself like you know a hundred and all the skills and everything like that, and like I just kind of like was seeing all the possibilities for like how you're supposed to solve the individual ones in certain ways, and I was just like, what if I just do all of them at once? And like the game went batshit um, because I was able to just do everything. It like couldn't properly make the next leap in like the cycle and so eventually just like everyone was just running around screaming <laughs> you broke it you broke reality in oblivion like it did like and i was just like i'm like well how do i fucking fix it and the only way to fix it was to just murder everyone <laughs> and that's the moral of it all i did and then like i just walked out the front door and was like well incredible uh i do think that um this is just like a, a, a issue with um these kind of western role-playing games um not as like a this is a problem with them but like this is the thing that they come against right and have to deal with especially and the way of dealing with this uh since let's say 2003 uh has been to cut that side out of it and turn the like rpg stuff into like mechanical treadmills which then everyone can enjoy and complete at their own pace yeah. rather than this locks you out of and locks you out is a different word because like it's, everyone understands moral choices and like different paths and choices in video games that's important but there's a there's a difference in the way that the D&D based uh, CRPG games handle this where there's like fundamental things you cannot see and know in conversations that's not like important choices right it's not a telltale game or whatever uh it just completely changes the things you see based on the stats you have and that is uh something i am i'm trying to get better at like i i i re-rolled some things i save scummed a bit in disco elysium but i didn't like give myself all the skills because that would be genuinely overwhelming with the amount of text you would have that would just yes. break your ability to read uh and so eventually i'd like to go back to some of the old rpgs and you know just force myself to play one of them fucking properly uh i might you play one of the gold box games jackson what is the gold box game the um uh back in the 80s uh when Dungeons and Dragons was still like, you know, a real powerhouse before it went away for a while. Um, they made a bunch of games that came in gold boxes and that's they're called the gold box game. Um, and they have like a tactical combat layer. Um, it's more kind of like, you know, it's more strategy than like what you would expect kind of like, you know, JRPG or even like kind of uh, Baldur's Gate sort of style combat. Um but also they do have that kind of investigative like you know adventure game layer 
but all of the options are available because they weren't going to do like skill checks and shit like that. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, you meet a guy and you have a conversation. He's like, A, B, or C, bitches, what you want? <laughs> yeah. And, but they were neat. Um, that's what I cut my teeth on. Uh, so Morrowind is kind of just like natural, just like falling into that. But um, I will do a Morrowind Let's Play uh, once I do an Oblivion Let's Play. As so- and that will happen um, sooner if someone creates a convincing and if a, a well thought out fort fuck, st- fuck shit mod. <laughs> so just putting that out to the abnormal mapping audience if they missed it on Twitter. Fair enough. Uh, Hilver writes in, is there any game you'd like to see a steady release of homages variations on like this, these were to Chrono Trigger? And is there any game explicitly trying to recreate an older game that you feel is better than the original? Ooh, better than, I know there has to be. I just, you know, this is my classic, can't remember anything when I've asked a question, but there's definitely, uh, I, I don't always think all the old ones better though. I usually do. (laughs) I, I don't think there's a real one. I don't think there's an answer where the new one's better. I don't believe you. Uh, let's, let's hope that uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk is better. That's got a shot. That's got a shot because I love Jet's what? Radio Future, but playing it oh, is... Oh, that, okay. Is, uh, I was like, like, what the hell are you talking about? And I realized it was a thing I didn't care about, so... Uh, you, I mean, th- there's no way... When you next get a new computer, I'm forcing you to download an Xbox emulator and play Jet Set, but not with your current computer. <laughs> no. Uh, but whenever that happens, you know, if it ever is able to happen, because God knows... Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure climate change will remove our ability to have computers before I get before I can get it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there as well. I'm, I've been planning around my new computer. But I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Anyway, uh, that is a great example of a game that I love and everyone has a lot of affection for. Uh, but it's kind of annoying. Uh, even Future, which makes a lot of strides ahead of uh, Jet Set Radio, uh, so that could that has a good shot of being one. I'm sure some people would say like Planet Coaster. I um I, I guess I just want more Castlevanias, but I know we're getting them. They're just not good enough. <laughs> yeah. I want more Simon's quests. I know oh, you you've been Simon's sad quests. since 1988. Someone make yeah. a variation on Zelda 2 for me, please. I did play that Adventure Time game. It was fine for like the five hours it spent. Um. Uh, all right. Um, that's not a question. Uh, that's not a question. Um, all right. Uh, Demicky writes in a large part of my gaming diet growing up was, uh, running ROMs and emulators. Uh, and that's led me to ROM hacks, played a bunch of Pokemon ROM hacks. Uh, do any of you have ROM hacks that you remember fondly or just like? Uh, I do this podcast. I never have time for this. I'd love to play a Pokemon ROM hack. I don't know what's good. I've been thinking about Pokemon a lot lately because of Gundam. Um, if you listen to GGP, you'll understand. Uh, and I was like, what is there? Like, I guess I could play like um, like Pokemon Brown and then it has a sequel. I don't remember what that's called. Like those ones people like, but I just don't know what to do with any of that stuff. There are so many Pokemon ROM hacks up to like Sword and Shield having complete ROM hacks at this point. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, I'm, specific- like- I'm specifically looking for a Pokemon game that uses th- the real Pokemon, but they can be in like interesting configuration. I basically want like a, a remix generation of like a bunch of things from all over and a new story to go through. That's what I'm looking for. 
the new story is the thing that will trip you up. That that yes, that, like they, there are ones that do it, but that makes it a lot harder. You know, that's limiting yeah. your uh, set a lot. Um, I I don't have a good answer to this because I, I use ROM hacks a lot, but it's usually I use ROM hacks for like first plays. I use like bug fix ROM hacks uh, for its older games, like translations and. Oh, you add a you add a map to Simon's Quest to make. I add a map to Simon's Quest exactly yeah, to make it a game for humans. Um, uh, that, that was good. <laughs> hey dear. <laughs> Dears, hang up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I usually... It was fine when I was sick. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I believe you. I believe you. Uh, but that's generally where I'm using uh, ROM hacks. Like, if I played a Pokemon game, I would use a ROM hack to give me all 151 Pokemon, right? Or how, I would put all the version exclusive in one ROM, right? I would do that. I would use these kind of ROM hacks uh, is a good example. Um and I would love, as you say, to go further and find the more experimental stuff. Uh, I'm barely playing one game a month for my gaming podcast on top of my... You anime came into pod- this one real hot. <laughs> you know what? It was fine. Um, it wasn't <laughs> rushing, is the thing. It was, this was a classic example of me looking at the time and going, I got time. I got exactly the right amount of time. I have de- developed the perfect just-in-time supply chain for finishing video games. <laughs> Except for the part where I was like, let's do the crossword this morning because Destiny's got to leave. And you were like, I, I'm finishing the video game. I can't. <laughs> no one told me ahead of time. I would have adjusted the schedule. Look, we can't do this on the podcast. This up. is the problem with just in time delivery is anything happens and it falls apart. <laughs> yes. But had I been given a day of warning, this would have not been on me. Uh, Total flexibility. Impossible with a just in time delivery system. Anyway... <laughs> Anyway. Jackson doesn't have time for ROM hacks because Jackson doesn't even have time for Dragon's Dog. That's oh, true. I don't have... There's so many things. The, the actual answer for this year, and normally it's whatever. I am too busy on doing stuff. The real answer is this year I've been going on walks while I'm trying to take care of myself. As I've, after last year, there's been like a health year after the pandemic. We're all finding this in our own ways. Uh, that's, and yeah, that's, why, that's why I never went back to Let's Plays because I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work out more and not die at 45. <laughs> yep. Um, so, you know gotta make it through gundam successfully uh yes all three of us have to be there uh i'm, I'm canceling you dear if you're not for the end of gundam damn <laughs> just just letting you know uh but anyway what decade is that this was this one it's still this one okay good it's like 2027 Get- yeah, we're gonna have to actually stop global warming. <laughs> yeah, there's other factors at play. But anyway, not to get morbid, but that's what we want to do. I've been there, gaming less. Yes, there is a follow-up question also from DW about JRPG randomizers and challenge runs, including like you know, uh, for job fiesta on Fantasy Five. So if you, D, if you want to answer either of those, if you have anything for that, um, I don't like genuinely fuck with that kind of thing because if. The JRPG is good enough to begin with. It either is going to be mechanically complicated and weird, or it's going to be kind of story focused. Like you really don't get both of those things um, together very often. Maybe like kind of the early Final Fantasies. Um, and so, like, I don't really see the point in doing the kind of like the remix. Like things are in different places, and now the enemies are really really hard. And you know, like if there, I want to do a challenge dungeon. I'll, I'll pick a JRPG that specifically put challenge dungeons in it. Um, otherwise, I'm just, I'm just here to, like, you know, have a good child time and, like, watch these characters save the world punch god. I typically agree. There's one... I really want to play Final Fantasy IV Ultima 
uh, is that what, that's what it's called, right? Ultima. Uh, Ultima is the Final Fantasy Four one, yes. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is like a re envisioning, like elaboration and hard remix version of Final Fantasy Four. Just because I like Final Fantasy Four a lot, I've played through the after years. Like I just like this un- this scenario. Would like to play more of it, um, and that, that seems like an interesting, ambitious way to do that. Like, I want to kind of play, because, um, you know, like, I played Final Fantasy 4 when it was Final Fantasy 2. Yes. Um, I would like to play the Final Fantasy 4 that was balanced for Japan. That exists. Yeah, you can get that. That's... Um, do you... But, like, I think that's, that's as close as I would get. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I'd want the kind of, the, you know, the re- the, the, the ones that have it that weren't, like, you know, balanced down for American yeah, players. Yeah, those are, those are very common rom hacks. Final Fantasy Four has, like, multiple ones that seek out to do that. You can choose your, like, I think, I think I'd recommend the Naming Way one, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, but there's other options. Well, you can get Project 2. <laughs> Project 2. Uh... Alec writes in with a uh, couple questions about Anunnaki that I think we covered and then hit a hard wall in I Am Sets Night, a certain boss. Um, and I, I do think that uh, sometimes that game can be a real motherfucker. Uh, like, like I said, I found there are like three spots in the game where you can just grind levels. And I did that and it made progression much easier because I was like, I don't want to play this anymore. But follows up with a question specifically for Dia. What do you think it is about Dark Souls 1 that brings people back to it time and again? And is this true for 2 and or 3 or other FromSoft games? I loved 1, was mixed on 3, my partner loves 2, and I'm always so interested in what they're doing with these games. People like 1 because they're too chicken shit to play Kingsfield 4. <laughs> All right, you had it here. <laughs> Let them know. <laughs> <laughs> do you, I even, mean, do you what, like 3? I don't think I've ever heard you talk about Dark Souls 3. Three, three is really fine if you're into fight clubs. Um, I don't. I'm. I, I'm interested in going back through three because I. I beat it once and then completely wiped my hands of it and never like I. Yeah, you know, I ducked into the first DLC, bought the second DLC, never touched it. Um, it. What if? What if Dark Souls one? like you know just kind of like repeated like it did mean it's dark souls one plays the hits like um it's not as interesting as dark souls you know it's not as kind of like you know invigorating as dark souls one it's not as it's not doing anything as interesting as dark souls two um i don't know why you'd play it uh yeah like people think like there's zones in dark souls one that like we're getting to in my let's play that are um, they didn't have the money and time to finish them and flesh pull them out, you know, like like really flesh them out the way they had planned to. Um, and everyone's like, oh, these zones suck. And it's like, yeah, like it's a bummer that they're not filled out. But like those zones in Dark Souls 3, like when they had the budget and time to like go back in and like do something interesting with them, they didn't. They made them worse. Um, yeah, it's just not, that's not there's nothing there for, for me. Fair enough. Yeah. But Dark Souls 1, I think what people re- react to is like it is kind of a Kingsfield, very like, you know, very anime take on kind of Western Dungeons and Dragons sensibilities in a way that like JRPGs don't do. Um, and for those players that like, you know, are kind of coming to games like you know, Dark Souls now, uh, probably missed the first final fantasy and things like that um where 
there are some kind of Gygaxian sensibilities that are brought to the game that um, you don't get in other games. Even like the later Dark Souls games, you don't get them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people really kind of resonate with the most. Also, like the bosses are sick and like it's, you know, it scratches that lost need to like, you know, solve the puzzle that's unsolvable because it was never intended to be solved kind of shit. But really, they should just play Kingsfield 4. <laughs> why is too, why right? is everyone so weird about Bloodborne? That's my question. That is my question. Yeah, I don't get it. And they're wrong about it, too. Like, that's like the funny thing is it's like, you know, they're weird obsessed with it. And like everyone thinks it's a Lovecraft game and it's not at all. Like one bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cross writes in, remember greatest hits? It's a shame Sony stopped producing the best way to pick up a JRPG for $20 as we entered the PS3 generation. Bad news, they stopped making RPGs in the PS3 generation. That's the answer. Uh, high Def really stole so much for us, which is true. What is your favorite game from the Greatest Hits collection, and why is it Smash Hit Legend of Dragoon, which reached only 1 million sales in the USA alone? Uh, That's just I th- for you, Crass. I, I thought it was a PS2 only, but you chose a PS1 game, Crass. When you go back to PS1, the PS2 and PS1, which, let's see... Uh, how old is the oldest one of the? Let, let's say we got about a decade of games here because the PS2 ones go 2007. There's like 10 years of games here. Uh, this whoa, god, there's so many good games on the PS1 and PS2. Holy shit! Yeah, different worlds, different world. I mean, um, there is greatest hits for PS3. I, I, I think I have a couple or did it. Yeah, but like, scroll in, down this Wikipedia page. Yes. These games all yeah. suck. Not all of them. That, some, come some... on, that's not true. Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed 3, these are good video games. They are, but then you scroll up Grand and it's Theft like... Grand Theft Auto 4, a good video game. Okay. Dark Souls, Oblivion. Like, I'm not yeah. saying there were... I'm not saying... You know what I'm saying. <laughs> there are many good games of the PS3 time, but the balance has shifted. Look at this. And you scroll up and it's like Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X 2, Final Fantasy XII, six Dragon Ball Z games. Yeah. The actual <laughs> yeah, thing that- PlayStation 2 doesn't have Ninja Gaiden Sigma. The actual thing for me is that uh, online sales made it where, like, I don't need a game to be $20 at the store or the new label. I'm going to wait until the weekend where it's $10. $10 and buy it. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, but I'm looking at this and it's like, damn. What What is the best game here? There are a lot of competitions. Um, it's it's if you go to just uh, Wikipedia page for greatest hits PlayStation, you can see the hundreds of games. Uh, the answer, of course, is X Men Legends Two: Rise of Apocalypse, which is a very good game. <laughs> it's like the perfect budget game. I played on GameCube, but it's the perfect game to buy for twenty dollars and be like really impressed with. Yes, which I mean, like you know, games such as Resident Evil Four and Malagasy Three are on this list, but they don't have the PlayStation Greatest Hits collection energy that X Men Legends Two: Rise of Apocalypse does. Yep. Uh, the other uh, huge banger I didn't realize got into this label is uh, We Love Katamari. That's one of the best games. We Love Katamari is great. They yeah. should remake We Love Katamari since they just did the original game. Everyone was like, okay, where's We Love Katamari? But of course, with all these remasters, they never do the second game because they just like shit out the first game real quick. Yes. And then like, oh, no one bought it. Like, yeah, you should have put out all the Onimushas, you assholes. <laughs> I'm not too sorry. It's fine. <laughs> man i can't decide and i'm trying i'm trying to be like ones that i know like you know like um i could do like you know like tony hawk underground because i love the shit out of that but i play that on the xbox i'm pretty sure um 
I guess Xenosaga episode one. That's my pick. Uh, they should re-release those. I know everyone asked for it. It's like the most demanded thing. And they're like, no, but they should do that. <laughs> Make it fucking... Monado. Monado. Just call Monado. it... Just call it Xenoblade Sagas. And then everyone will buy it. <laughs> God. Um... Audrey writes in, you can eat only eat the food from one video game for the rest of your life. Which game do you choose? Final Fantasy 15. It's that easy answer. Um, mine's Star Ocean 2, which is a game that got me interested in, like, food for the first time ever. Like, as a, you know, like, just like, I, I still am like, oh, I need to have this thing because it was in that game. Damn. Good game for food. Hmm. I'm going to go with Persona 3. What are they in Persona oh, 3? Cheating. Is there f- I don't remember the food in Persona 3 at all. Um, there's there's a takoyaki stand. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is. Not, uh, I, get, I wish man, Japan was I real. I wish I could get some takoyaki. Damn, right now, my life would be better if I had takoyaki. It's, it's past lunchtime. Um, Cynthia writes in, uh, what is your favorite Nintendo handheld, but specifically for the hinge on the, like, clamshell design of it? That would be the DS Lite. Um, I think mine is the, uh, new Nintendo 3DS. Oh, I think I like the new Nintendo. The small one. Oh, the small one. Okay. Yes. Not the XL, the small one. I never had a... Uh, yeah. I, I went straight to the uh, XL for that, but they do have a like new Nintendo 2DS with a like smaller form factor. That one's cool yes. as well. The DS Lite was the one with like really prone to hinge breaking, right? Yeah, probably. I guess. But when also, it, I mean, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. You know. Yeah, I guess also like the DSi. That one's got a nice. That one really slammed shut. Yes, the SP. I, I feel like the is advanced the mo- SP. Yeah, SP is the most like robust one. Um, SP's like good. You can, and if they do break, it's easy to. Re- I, like I've reshelled a, a SP. Oh, yeah. They're not difficult. You can do that. <laughs> um, as unlike a DS, where like there's a ribbon cable threaded through the thing for the screens, and it's a nightmare. I would, I would not. I don't feel confident to replace the shell of a DS. Mm-hmm. I miss my SP. I think that was one of my my favorite content called consoles. They're good. I bought a revamped SP, but the screen's slightly misaligned, and I'm so sad. I have three SPs, I think, in my household. <laughs> you have four? No. Four? One of them is my original one, and then I have a 101 one, and then I have two with like new screens, like like modern revamped versions. Mm-hmm. They've been acquired over the years. It just happens. Sometimes you just get some SPs. Yeah. Crystal writes in, the 7 out of 10 game is an honorable niche for gaming, but what is your favorite 5 out of 10 game? Mm, 5 Crystal out of specifically 10. says the license value price PS2 game, but I don't, it doesn't have to be that. Oh, do I like any 5 out of 10? The, the thing is, I feel like there's a lot of people, and I, some of them are my friends, who really like bad games. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, which I say... That sounds meaner than it is, but I mean, there are people who will like really find the gold in these like weird license experiments. Yes, and I, I've that's never been me. I just want a game that's actually good the whole way and isn't like secretly good because uh, it's better than you'd expect. 
Gary has a similar follow-up question is, what's the worst game you've played you'd still go to bat for? Which, you know, you can take that as an you answer. Can that, yeah. Because I'm thinking about, like, I remember my friends, uh, my friend Dylan, who I don't talk to very much anymore because, uh, you know, they are offline in a way that's like, <laughs> it's that scene in Mad Men where Don Draper runs away and Ted just, like, looks longingly out the window like, ah, oh, we finally made it. That's how I feel about Dylan. <laughs> anyway, uh... Dylan loved the Ghost in the Shell PS2 game, and I played it, and I think it's terrible. <laughs> I just can't bridge that gap. That's uh, that, that Dirge is of Dylan, Cerberus. That's such a Dylan game. Yes, like, I could, I could totally see that. Um, I liked it when it came out. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could go back and like it. I think my answer to both is Dirge of Cerberus. Hmm. I'm going to go with um, Dragon Guard. Dragon God fucking sucks. I, I, I uh. yeah. What if we I... had a bad Musa game and then all the dialogue was terrible? What if? I think mine are probably like most of Way Forward's output in like the, the late aughts and early 2010s. Like I really like that Blood Rain game that's coming back out again. Um, I like the the Aliens game. I thought that those were all pretty good. Oh, Sonic Forces. Sonic Force, Sonic Force is just a good game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. If I, if it didn't suit the question, then yes. But this is totally, totally because ca- even us, we're like, you know, they didn't put any levels design in it. <laughs> Would have preferred if they did, but I'll take what I can get. I press the X button and fist bump plays. Yep. Um, Bill writes in: Is there a short JRPG that still hits the things you want out of the genre? Uh, does it have to be 10 to 40 hours or is there something that's like one to four that would still scratch the itch? A one to four. That's shorter than I thought. Yeah, it's real short. I just <laughs> don't know. If, like, I'm sure our, there's RPG Maker games and I'm just not hanging out in that space, right? For me. Yeah, there's not enough RPG Maker games that I've actually finished it. Um, but that that's going to be where you find that. Yeah. Like, you know, I played Costume Quest, but like, that's not really it. That That's cute. But like, yeah. I don't care in the same way. I think I think on some level there has to be like the feeling of progression and like interaction and story progression that you're just not going to get out of four hours of video game. That's not true. You can get a JRPG in four hours. I just don't think so. Like even I think the way like that often expresses in like really gimmicky stuff like um, what's the the thirty second or thirty uh, half a hero? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like fine and it's cool, but like that that's not like a real RPG in the way that like matters. It's like riffing like meta riffs on the the, the genre i think it's doable I, I i don't think anyone has done it or does do it but i i think you could do it i think if you like cut a jrpg at four hours it'd be fine the thing is i think you could do it but i think at that point you are making something that is a commentary on jrpgs at that point and not just making a jrpg mm-hmm. maybe but i've played like eight hour jrpgs that's only half that yeah, but that's a big half. Yeah, big half. maybe so. Maybe I maybe I'm overestimating. That's like, that's like one Final Fantasy fourteen side quest. Yeah, but Final Fantasy fourteen <laughs> is the big. You just brought it that up, dude. Final Fantasy fourteen quests are about ten minutes long. No, they're four hours long. <laughs> You've only played the bits so that they've gone back and edited them. Yeah. Individual quests are only like ten minutes long every time, unless it's a dungeon. But that's just because they like every little individual quest is like a breakpoint of a, what true. would it be in an actual quest. Yes, that's true. You're not wrong about that. 
Um, no. By the time you're done going there, coming back, 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 going to that place over there, coming back, then it's like four hours. And it's one quest. Yeah. You're not wrong about this. Because in the end, you were just trying to produce one bottle of wine. Uh, yeah. If you haven't done that quest yet, Em, it's waiting. It's coming for you. No, I've done that quest. I actually <laughs> like that because it reminded me of like a Dragon Ball arc. <laughs> it Yeah, it is. Like it, there, there are some quests that do that, and like that one actually is one of the better ones. I wish the game had more like goofy stuff in it, like that, and wasn't so self serious generally. So, um, uh, but you can take that um, critique and apply it to basically every RPG since two thousand yes. six. <laughs> um, Jonathan writes in as the one person who liked I Am Sad Nine Lost Sphere. Um, this is a long email, so I will briefly try to summarize it specifically in Lost Sphere's uh, case. Uh, describes it as a dense story. It takes too much from the after years, uh, but has a bunch of mechanics that invest in wouldn't it be sick if you could do a bunch of shit that's busted. Um, and for example, talks about Dianto has a passive skill that lets him take any and all damage dealt to other party members, but you can mix it with passive buffs. So had it where he would heal, it increases defense and resistance to status effects and making him like a sponge that only got spongier as he took damage or whatever. Um, and... Aria Chronicle does the same thing. It's a better game. <laughs> um, like, yeah, that's the thing is I think, I think there's enough systems for, fiddly games out there that you could just find the one that vibes with you like i like etchin odyssey d has been going through etchin odyssey and doesn't like it as much um we still like enjoy it but it's not you like like the wizardry types more than you like etchin odyssey yeah etchin odyssey and i like it just there are some oddities to it where i'm just kind of like i see what you're doing here and i want i want a little bit more of this out of it instead of what you're doing um mm-hmm. a loving etchin odyssey 3 mm-hmm. but um that one's as close as to kind of like, you know, a more kind of traditional wizardry game, honestly, which it feels like. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, like there's lots of games where you can set up, you know, systems where all of your bros skills like, you know, like just synergize really well. And like Etrian Odyssey is one of those. Like Etrian Odyssey is all about, you know, m- multiple party members synergizing to just like decimate an entire row in two seconds. Mm hmm. You don't get through that game unless you have like broad class skill synergies. Uh, yeah, I um, it's weird because I think of I think of like most good RPGs of like a reasonable size as doing this. Like, you mm-hmm. can do this in like seven and eight uh, really easily. Um, and like the games just totally are set up to play it normally. But if you want to get weird with materia, you can get weird with materia, and it. The, the game folds immediately under you because there's nothing there to like support that kind of difficulty, but it's there if you want to. Or like, you know, God, I think about like, like Final Fantasy Tactics, like the, the you know, they really, they, they don't want you to use mathematicians and like mimes and like, but if you like sit there and figure out how to get those mathematicians and mimes working, um, you can do crazy shit. Um, and it's great. But it's also like a great game anyway. Sphere just doesn't have it without like manipulating the, the the mechanics and like you have to spend a lot of time grinding to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Daniel writes in, I uh, might be getting ahead of myself with a Tolkien podcast spinning up uh, for y'all, but what do you think the role of Lord of the Rings has been in video games, both novels and films? Uh, formative dungeon crawlers like Wizardry definitely take a lot from D&D, but do you think outside the appearance of Halflings, any games have used the ideas of Tolkien stuff? Uh, or is there simply too much walking around and singing for that to fit into a video game? Uh, the answer is that D&D is also just ripping off Tolkien wholesale. I was going to say, you, you don't get Dungeons and Dragons without Tolkien. Uh, so you, on that level, it's all it's all Tolkien all the way down. Yes, the whole thing is connected. <laughs> um, there has to be like fantasy, like medieval fantasy stuff that's pre Lord of the Rings. I don't even know what that looks like as like a genre, but I'm sure I assume it exists. Yeah, I'd be curious about. God, I yeah. actually don't know. I feel yeah. like I should know, but I don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, at that point, you end up like you know, you end up in like weird Arthuriana and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, you, I think you could trace almost all of this entire genre of fantasy back to Tolkien, un, like for better or worse. Um, second question, why do you think first-person dungeon crawlers stayed moderately popular in Japan while in the West they just died off? My Vita's full of the likes of Demon Gaze and Class of Heroes and all the Etrian games exist, but I haven't seen too many Western ones come out, um, which is true. Um, I think this the answer is like a lot of these this like design lineage for western games went into like pc rpgs which became uh either isometric games or like eventually into like immersive sims and stuff uh because uh, i just think this is the way it ended up, ended up going and those circles ended up prizing like um extremely holistic game design uh in the in a way that I think of JRPG game design and like game design that got big in Japan in, in this era as being far more modal. Uh, this is not a one-to-one rule. I'm not like making cultural declarations that just have had the way development happened to go. And this is a thing that like still into the late 2000s, uh, like a snobby Western game critics were like getting annoyed about Japanese games having like, oh, you go from this screen to the battle screen. You have different like abilities in each of them. Why is this? Why did why this? When so much of Western game design was, I can walk to this room and I can pick up this thing and then I go straight out and it is all a holistic world that it is all connected. And uh, like those dungeon crawlers became like, you know, there's a direct line from, from, uh, wizardry to like ultima to ultima underground to deus ex right that that happens and that's not like a the only line but i think a lot of those uh energies went in that direction in these circles for like western nerds yeah actually that's no that's it i'm pretty sure because that would have been my answer uh jake writes in three of you are chosen to be the directors of a trilogy of games one of you is in charge of each game what order would you all agree is the way in which you should develop the games? Um, all right. Well, this is just like a death fight for who has to do the middle game, right? It, I, it's you. I think you're the like right what choice. What the fuck? Because you would want to make the fiddly systems game, which is always the second game. I want to do the ending. I always want to do the ending. I'm okay. an endings, um, but uh, I agree. Okay, but you, you you get you get fiddly systems or an ending, but you can't do both. I don't want to make a fiddly systems game. I want to play a fiddly systems game. Okay. Um. But I, I I understand why you say it, but yes, because two. So how? Do, what are we saying here? What are these games? We don't have any more information in the question, do we? No. It's just there's a three games. Um, who wants to do the first one then? Whichever. Whichever. You don't have like a, a, a preference. Like I was, I was like, I'll do the first one. 
Because when I read this yeah. question, I was like, well, we're all going to want to do the ending because that's the most interesting No, one. that's the one I never want to do because you're never going to... There's no way to make good endings. just doesn't happen. This is just a philosophical difference between us and that I think this isn't true, even though I am as disappointed by every ending as you are. <laughs> yeah. Fine. You know what? I'll do the fucking ending. Right. <laughs> I'll do the beginning. Jackson, get the middle. Oh, fine. Whatever. Dan writes in, who would win in a tag battle between Big Tex and the Red Comet versus Booty Bandit and Derby? I mean, it's Booty Bandit and Derby. There's no contest. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's not quite what the question says. I know, but I'm changing it. We're running okay. short on time. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Cody writes in, do all video game horses suck? Is there a good horse riding in video games? It's uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus is great. I like video game horse riding. I don't yeah, understand the negativity. Yeah. I, I mean, Oblivion's a little dodgy, but um, it's fine. Um, I don't. I don't think Zelda's still figured out good horses, so that one's bad. The one in the one in The Witcher might as well just be a car. Yeah, I liked my horse in Breath of the Wild. Um, fair enough. Yeah. And then our final question is from Santo. Came in as we were recording. Uh, you got your Yggdrasils, your Excaliburs, your ex-legendary dragons. What are your favorite running bits of silly mythology in JRPGs? Um, ooh, running bits of silly mythology. Just like no. a trope that keeps reappearing. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be the like uh, legendary Dark Knight who turns the good. Final Fantasy IV is an incredible game. Fair enough. What is mine? I think mine is like the this end of second act reveal that you are on the like ruins of shattered earth. I think I always dig that one. It's always dumb. But that means your final dungeon has to be a techno dungeon or I feel like you've wasted everyone's time. Mm -hmm. But luckily it normally is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dia, do you have any answers? The work of Carl Gustav Young. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good news. Uh, Persona exists, and you can play it. And so does the Xeno game, Xeno Gears, uh, or Xeno Saga. Yeah, fair enough. Xeno Gears also Union. I have no idea. Probably. I don't. I don't remember it well enough. Okay. That's it for questions. Again, abnormalmappingpodcast at gmail .com. Next month we are doing Gravity Rush Two. That is a PS4 game. Um, it'll run on a PS5. I already loaded mine into my PS5. Uh, it's on sale. Pretty. It might be even in that PS Now collection. I have no idea. I did not check. I have a disc. I don't, I don't think it is. I think that okay. they've just forgotten it existed. Damn, that sucks. Um, but look forward to that. And then our next RPG uh, in the month of October will be Star Ocean for the Super Famicom. Um, yep. this was Go find yourself a fan translation. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's just the one. Um, famously, this was like a hard game to run on emulators for a long time, but it seems like it mostly runs fine on everything now. And there's like a patch that even allows it to run on real hardware in the fan translation version, which uh, is cool. If you have like a flash cart, um, it'll work just fine. So I'm going to try to get it running on my 3DS. I think you if you're going to do that, I think you have to use the emulator and not the injector because the file's too big. Um, just so you know. Uh, but yeah, we'll be playing that. I'm excited. Um, that's it. We're done here. Dia, plug your stuff. You can find basically everything I do at Dia Lucina on Twitter because it'll all get funneled through there. Great. Jackson. 
You can find me at headfullsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, there's good ones there. Go listen to them. This podcast has gone on so long. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. You can support all of our work at patreon.com slash mapping. For $1, of course, you get the Great Gundam Project. We just started Planetes as our backup show for the second half of Turn A Gundam. It's pretty cool. So uh, please enjoy that. At $5, you get Blockbusters. We're about to watch Zero Dark Thirty like next weekend to do an episode on that. That's going to be a fucking thing. Uh, we have VoIP Life every two weeks. If you'd like to hear uh, me talk about Xbox controllers and what our VTuber personas are, you can check that out because that's where we talk about that stuff. <laughs> Um, and that's everything. So thanks everyone for listening. Tell your friends, of course. Word of mouth gets the podcast out. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.